Can you be quiet, please? Thank you. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. How's everybody doing? At the Burlington... Um, the, the, no idea what the f*** just happened. East Carolina girls are the best in the world. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Clip. Hey, man, good to see you, brother. Superstitious beers. Superstitious beers. How about those friggin' pirates? It's a me, a man, a Garcia. <laughs> Go Pirate Radio. Now live from the Pirate Radio studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Welcome in to a Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Clip Brock here with you inside the Pirate Radio studios. A hot one in eastern North Carolina and a hot show for you as well. As we got a lot to discuss on Pirate Radio 92.7 FM in Greenville, 104.1 in Washington. You can find us on 1250, 930 online, PR927FM.com. And watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. Be a part of the show today as we have a lot to discuss regarding East Carolina football, conference realignment. Uh, We've got the NFL preseason cranking up this week with Holt Naylor's and the Seahawks. We're following Keaton Mitchell and the Ravens, Ryan Jones and the Giants, and our guy Isaiah Winstead with the Niners. So we'll talk uh, some NFL, but a whole lot of Pirate Talk coming up today. Ryan Robinson said to join us here in just a couple of moments to to talk all things Pirate Club, ECU tickets, and more. Coming up at 4 o'clock, Ronnie Woodward and Patrick Cash will join us. They're part of the ECU Football History Exhibit at Joiner Library. You may have seen the Pirate Radio cameras. We're out there on Sunday with the ECU football team and Mike Houston. Really neat exhibit. They'll talk about that, and we'll go over some Pirate football history with the guys coming up at 4 o'clock. The Brian Bailey Show returned today. Great show talking with Mike Houston and some high school football coaches in the area. We'll talk some football with BB coming up in hour number two of today's show. And former ECU wide receiver Jason Nichols joins us at 5 o'clock. We've got a ton of audio from practice on Saturday. You'll hear what Mike Houston had to say along with both quarterbacks, Mason Garcia and Alex Flynn. Also Julius Wood, Parker Moore, Elijah Morris, and my guy, Rajay Harris back on the practice field. So we'll hear from uh, all those guys coming up later on in the show. We'll have a full breakdown with Jay Nick. Jason Nichols coming up in hour number three of Pirate Radio Live. We got Shirley Rhodes here, intern Joey. Chan Man's here, the big dog Glenn Griffin. Ellerby is to my left. Hello, Ellerby. Good afternoon, Clipper. How are you? I am great. Uh, starting to feel the football. It was fun getting over there on Saturday, talking to Mike Houston and the players. Get the juices going a little bit. Full pads coming up for the first time on Tuesday. So, as Mike Houston would say, it is excitement time. And uh, Mr. Excitement, Double R, Ryan Robinson joins us here on the program inside the Pirate Radio Studios. Ryan, how you doing, man? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Doing really well. It's been a... Uh Busy morning, busy weekend, but uh, it's Monday, and we're getting very, very close to, uh, well, we're getting very close to taking on Michigan and then having a full house, hopefully, for the Marshall game. Yes, sir. And uh, we are excited here, and uh, folks out there tuned in uh, are excited as well. And if you got a question for Ryan Robinson, you can post it on uh, YouTube, Facebook. We'll try to get that answered for you. But, Ryan, I guess you're going to start with tickets, Ellerby. Where are we at right now when it comes to season tickets for East Carolina football, Ryan? Well, we're up to about 14,400. We had a you know a good little push this weekend 
on Friday. You know, obviously, John put out a note, um, got a little bit of allergies, <laughs> from the helm that, you know, last year we were probably, I think we were at 15-8, maybe give or take 20 tickets. So we're behind now. It's very interesting because our premium levels are as best as ever been. Like our Williams Clark club seats, we've sold more this year than we've ever sold. Last year, uh, we set la- you know we beat last year's record in that. The towers sold out. So, really, what we're trying to figure out is, you know, we're calling the non renewals um, and just trying to figure out. Okay, are you renewing late, or is there a reason you're not you're not coming on board? So, and we've I've had great conversations today. A lot of it is, man, I. I got to turn my stuff in or I got to get it in. And it's like, we just want to make sure that you're coming back because I do think you probably looking about three or 400 accounts and you all might know this better than me. That probably does NC state accounted for that <laughs> because remember you couldn't really right. buy a ticket unless you were a pirate club member. So I think NC state plays a role, but I think we just got to make sure. And, and our fans are unbelievable. Just if you look at, you know, Michigan tailgate when I left, it's not only sold out, it's probably 100 over what it's supposed to be. Our Michigan tickets, I saw uh, somebody that said, oh, you didn't really sell out. Really what we did with Michigan early on, they had a different section for like 150 tickets. We sent those back right away and just said, you know, we're going to take all of our tickets in one section. So we don't have any more of those left. App State, we kind of know the reason, uh, I will say, when they're charging $130. I think some of our fans are going to going to stay away but really when i look at our tickets um i'm excited about our number and here's why it is probably i was talking to coleman spain about this i don't know if there's another school in the conference that is selling over fourteen thousand season tickets ucf did we knew that for sure but i don't know if another school is selling that i do think we'll get to fifteen thousand, and that's a good number we set our goal for sixteen thousand, and really uh, at the end of the day, you just want people to come watch ECU play football. You know, whether it's Marshall, Gardner-Webb, and we have some really good conference games, but it is what it is. I'm excited about our number because compared to people in the conference, it's like raising money. You know, right now, I would say with UCF leaving, we're probably raising more money annually than any other school in the conference. So East Carolina... Other than SMU, sorry. Right, East Carolina, season ticket-wise, is, you're, you're, you're speculating number one right now yeah. of, of number yeah. of tickets sold. Do you think... NC State, probably a factor in yep. some of that. Do you think any of the current season ticket holders maybe ordered a couple extra last year? And then and, and, and is there any other things that uh, you guys are doing right now to, to get to that 15K? No, I mean, I think really what we're trying to do is communication, is calling a lot of people. You know, you do the emails, you call, but this has always been a fan base and there's nothing wrong with this that's going to kind of sometimes wait till the last minute and you know you're still what a month away before we play at home so i think we're going to be okay as we get to 15 you know hopefully get to 15,000 and 15,000 is a really good number you know a lot of times it's funny jonathan you say that because i've had a lot of conversations with people over the last four years of ryan how do we get back to 21,000 i think we had a three-year period now if you remember Back then, you had to come to see the game. There wasn't, you know, ESPN. The digital play. component. Yeah. So I do think we, we've we lost some people over the years that remain Pirate Club members 
in Charlotte and Raleigh that might not be making the drive. Well, COVID changed a lot of habits yep. as well, just in general. And uh, ultimately, uh, your point is correct. People <laughs> need to start coming to see ECU play. And uh, Coach Houston is putting a product on the field that people should come see East Carolina play. And hopefully that'll continue this year and then next year. And hopefully the numbers will continue to grow. Yeah, I mean, you're going into your fifth year with Coach, and I don't think anybody would argue that <laughs> this program is ascending. Um, I think what's interesting about this year is I mean, I've talked to Coach about this. There's some players that I still need to learn, you know, some new names, that, but they're going to emerge. You talk to every coach on that staff right now, and they're like, Ryan, we have a, we have a lot of talent on this team. Um, but just some names that people don't know. But, yeah, we just got to keep pushing season tickets and the importance. And I've talked about this forever. It's so hard to get 40000 if you don't have a good season ticket base. It's hard to sell that many single-game tickets for a game. <laughs> we saw that last year with NC State. We got fortunate where we sold you know, fifteen to 20,000 season tickets for that. So hopefully uh, we'll continue to do that number. Sing- single-game tickets for Pirate Club members will go on sale Tuesday at 10 a.m., tomorrow at 10 a.m., and they'll have like a two-week window to order tickets. And, you, you know, you need to do that, but obviously anybody that can afford to, you know, if you can purchase two more season tickets, give them away. Uh, we would appreciate it, but we are excited about what's going to be there when we open uh, Dowdy Ficklin Stadium against Marshall. Ryan Robinson, our special guest in the Pirate Radio studio today. Uh, Ryan, uh, you don't have to be in the Pirate Club to order season tickets, so that that's always an option. But what is the ratio percentage of people that are Pirate Club members and season ticket holders? To, to, is that uh, is it how hand in hand is that number? That's a great question. I, I would say you're looking at eighty five to ninety percent because there's a lot of people. And listen, I value. They come in at the $100 level, and I talked to a gentleman today that is not buying his season tickets, but he said, hey, you know, he had some issues, family issues, but he said, I want to give you my $100 to be a Pirate Club member. And it's amazing the amount of Pirate Club members that we have 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 25 years consecutively. Um, your family is part of that, Jonathan. So it's really uh, – we have a great Pirate Club base. We have a good. We need to grow our membership a little bit. But again, you start going back to 17, 16. I don't know if we're going to quite get to those numbers. There's a lot of things happened since then, and really the key for us is Student Pirate Club, um, and that will start growing immensely over the next three weeks. We call Blaze Hudson. He goes out and and goes to every parent on campus and, and signs their kids up. And if you remember last year, it really paid off to be a Student Pirate Club member. There were a couple games, NC State included, you weren't getting in that area unless you were a member. So it's really hard. You know, we talk about 14,400 tickets. I'm not, no one's disappointed. It's just we'd love to kind of keep that momentum going when you had 15-8 last year. Yeah, COVID kind of caused a reset a lot in, in, in athletics. And it's good to look back at the historical numbers of, as yep. you said, when there was 15, 16, or 7, you know, those years when the, when the season taken apart. But have you kind of reset new numbers of uh, you, and, you and John Gilbert of like, hey, look, here's where we are. Here's where we need to go the next couple years for for season tickets in Pirate Club and uh, to, to kind of reestablish, I guess, of like a new historical <laughs> post-COVID numbers. Yeah, I mean, you'd love to be in that 15, 5, 16,000 a year, um, especially if our football program keeps ascending. And I think a lot of it, too, is key. You know, you want people to come watch ECU, but hopefully you'll start to see some rivalries in, rivalries in the conference grow. I think that is, that is very helpful. But I think you know when you can have forty thousand uh, people in Daddy Ficklin Stadium, that is a loud stadium. 
So I don't ever want to take that for granted. It would be great to have it like NC State, 50,000 every game. But man, you get 40 to 45,000, you are ranking, you know, top 50 in the country. Uh, in attendance. You know, last year Central Florida, they might have fudged their attendance a little bit. They beat us at the very end in average <laughs> attendance. I'm still angry about it among group of five schools, but that our attendance last year was higher than you know numerous Power 5 schools. So we just got to keep plugging along. You got to make sure, obviously, we understand the major part of it is the, the experience. You know, we've had multiple meetings. I've been in some, but with Airmark, making sure they're ready to roll. Come Marshall, we've got to be on point. I know JJ, you probably got to get him in here in the next couple of weeks. I know there's some stuff changing there. But, you know, we're, we're going to be ready. And I do think, yeah, listen, look at all the players that graduated. I mean, Holt Naylor's, Keith Mitchell, Winstead, all these kids. I think giving this new group a chance – because they came here, a lot of these kids, freshmen, they were at that NC State game last year. They came here because of the excitement of Dowdy Ficklin. So I, I think we'll continue to grow our numbers. But, Jonathan, you're right. you got to be realistic. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, hey, we need 50000 every game. That's not realistic right now. But let's continue to grow it back. I think that's the key word is growing back that base. You mentioned the success of the premium sales. Is there any thought or plans to make more premium areas in the stadium, in the lower bowl? Like You've seen some other stadiums uh, made some sort of like standing room only areas and stuff like that. Are there any future plans for that? Man, we talk about it not daily but weekly because the numbers are just bearing out that those seats are selling. It's like you go to men's basketball – I'd say the toughest ticket to get in the Pirate Club is probably a suite at football and a courtside seat at basketball. So premium sales, but there's also a lot of, uh, you know, a large percentage of fans that can't afford that price level. But, yeah, we are. We're looking at some different areas and lower. You know, obviously every, every school outside of probably 10 schools in the country, upper levels are always going to be a little tough to sell. So we've got to continue to look at that. We've got to continue to look at Williams Clark Club. We added some stuff last year, continue to add there, and make sure that everything that's going on in the Town Bank Tower is, you know, up to date and, you know, people love it in there. The trade club seats in that area are our most popular seat. Uh, to, for them to be sold out again is, is truly remarkable. But, yeah, we're going to continue to look at premium. It is the number one thing right now I think a lot of schools across the country are looking at. And when I say premium, it doesn't mean it has to – cost you know a fortune but a lot of times people, people kind of want access and perks yeah and i will tell you i was listening to something the other day and he's so right and um, a lot of times people don't want to sit right next to somebody like they want an area where they can kind of walk around have a drink eat they don't really want that need because that's what they get at home <laughs> yeah so if they have that at home that all the people that you're saying that in charlotte or whatever they, they have the comforts of home a giant tv but they are missing the game experience but if you can provide basically live entertainment in a bigger comfortable setting and uh that may be a bit i've heard before you know some people say dowdy ficklin stadium's too big now in a way i mean some I mean, I mean a lot of stadiums maybe are, oh, yeah. are, are too big can you take and make certain areas more comfortable i mean take i mean in a way less seating but bigger areas for people to uh no, to have to, to lounge out in. Yeah, we have certain, you know, couple different areas that we're always talking about. Obviously, I think, you know, the balcony behind the end zone of Harvey Hall is unbelievable. It could be unbelievable premium space. And I think there, you know, you look at some areas in upper level. Can you can you make it a loge box? You know, I don't know the construction of how it was built, 
But if you look at a lot of basketball arenas now, a lot of their end zones now, it's just wide open where people are walking the concourse watching the game. Not or just not sw- watching the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're at the game. Well, if you go and to if any- that, if that's for you, if they're yeah. at the game, then that's all that matters. And I know Cliff's a Redskins fan, right? Uh, Commanders. Commanders now. Commanders, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> sorry about that. But I, they're changing their name again, right? Probably, yeah. <laughs> but if you go to an NFL game, like I'll just take Lucas Oil Stadium, you literally can just walk around the stadium all game. So I think, well, if you go to FedEx Field, you can because nobody's there. You got, <laughs> yeah. you got every section so, to yourself. But like I will tell you, the reason we're doing what we're doing in basketball, not to switch gears, is you're adding 400 comfortable leather seats that now people can sit instead of sitting in the bleachers. So I think that's going to go over well, and I think it's going to give us a good idea to say, hey, we might need to take some of that over to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Ryan, uh, everything is changing constantly. Uh, you're aware of that. I know you're trying to control what you can control, just as Mike Houston is. But I did add, you mentioned Group of Five, Power Five earlier. I don't even know if th- that exists anymore. Yeah, I need an update on what's going on. Uh, but I did ask Mike Houston on Saturday his thoughts on the changing landscape of college football, and I just want to get your thoughts on it too. Uh, but here's what Mike Houston had to say. It's cut nine, Shirley. I care about East Carolina University, and I want us to be in the best possible situation in the college football landscape as possible. And so anything that I have control over, I'm going to try to do the very best I can to make sure that uh, that's that's what we're doing. So um, yeah, all I know is probably in three or four years, I have no idea what uh, college football is going to look like. But uh, East Carolina is going to be a part of it. That's Mike Houston's take on it. And Ryan, I... Uh, me fired up. Yeah, and, and I know, again, you control what you control, but what's going on over there right now while you see everything happening around you when it comes to realignment and those things? Well, I mean, full transparency, we talk about it. I mean, all the time. We're not, we're not just walking through the halls and ignoring <laughs> it. I do think we have a good commissioner, Mike Oresco. I think... And we have a good conference right now. I really, truly believe that. I think some of the teams that are coming in this year... People don't really know them yet, but I I just saw a top 25, and I didn't see if UTSA is in it. Uh, They've been in most top 25 preseason polls, Tulane. So we have a good conference. We have a great TV contract. I think at the end of the day, you know, Mike Oresco's got to do what's best for the schools in our conference. Obviously, you see four schools out out west. Um, So we'll continue to look at that, but I I do think we're in a good position, especially with our, our TV contract and where we're at. Um, and it's going to be interesting. You know, people talk about the Mountain West, uh, which has a lower TV contract than we do. Um, and then those those four schools in the Pac-12. So I don't, uh, I don't, you know, pretend to know exactly what's going to happen. But I do have faith that if there's an opportunity for us to get better, I believe that Mike Oresco will make that happen. And I think Coach Houston has a great answer because <laughs> the only thing we can do is create a better profile. And we can just keep getting better. You know, in our football already, when I talk about season tickets, um, people know that. Uh, you know, we we deal with a lot of different people that call us and say, we tell them our season ticket number, and they're like, no way. I'm like, yes, that, that is our number. And it's not – John is really big on – you know, I know he did this at Southern Miss, but he's really big on telling the actual numbers of sold. I mean, I can sit here and tell you today, oh, Jonathan, we're right over 15,000. I will tell you right now, we're at like 14,400, and it's probably to a ticket or two. So we want to, I think, do think it's important to be transparent. I don't want anybody to take that the wrong way when we say we're $1,500, $1,500 tickets short. That's not the reason. We just need to be transparent where we understand. But obviously, Kim and Neil, what she did with basketball, 
truly believe what Coach Schwartz is building. I've had the opportunity to watch a lot of practices this year, and just you all are going to be, our fans are going to be excited what's being built. And, you know, Coach Houston off back-to-back bowl wins where he basically built this program, we got a pretty strong profile. Then you add in what Coach Godwin's doing in baseball and some of our other sports. You know, somebody asked me the other day, said, what would you like to see this year? I'd say competitive excellence. You know, we got to do our part. we got to win on the field uh, in every sport. So I'm excited about the future of ECU. Uh, I tell anybody that will listen that this is a special place. And I'll tell you what's interesting. We hired Mark Adams. I don't know if you all had a chance to speak to him. Not yet, yeah. Um, I'd love for you – I know how he feels about this place after just two or three weeks. Um, and that's how Coach Schwartz feels and Riley Davis, and I talked to other people. So They had Reggie on last week. He was awesome, yeah, Reggie Williams. Re- yeah, and the thing about it is those guys see it to where – you know, in basketball, let's try to be a perennial top 25 program. There's plenty of group of five schools that are doing that. So we've got an opportunity here to keep building our profile. And I do think you just can't worry about – got to let the people in the higher-ups make those decisions. But we've got to continue to make ECU someone everybody wants to be a part of. What do you think the number one need ECU Athletics is in need of right now, or the Pirate Club, since you, you really represent uh, the ECU Pirate Club? I mean, obviously everybody needs more money, but, I mean, <laughs> what, what, what do you think is, is the one, like, if we had this, this would really help uh, with our competitive greatness? Well, I'll tell you, the, the three key things, you know, are the Pirate Club annual fund, you know, scholarships are now $8.5 million dollars, the investment in our sports programs, and I don't just say this, football season tickets are crucial. Football season tickets pay uh, for a lot that goes on in our athletic department. But I'll tell you, like from a pirate club right now, we need to get an indoor facility built. <laughs> what it will do uh, for recruiting is not only going to help. I think that's important. Obviously, we got the baseball building that is, is, is pretty close to being done. But how close are we to the football facility? Football, we've raised about $15 million. I would say, Jonathan, that's probably going to be about $22, $23 million. And if you ask me right now, my goal in the Pirate Club, and I've told our staff this, they might look at me crazy, we need to have $20 million in hand by the end of December. And if you have $20 million in hand by the end of December, does that mean you can break ground? or what? I think we can do a lot of things with the design and get it ready. It's not going to be a large building to build. But we understand that we need to raise every dollar. And listen, you know, we, we set a record with $34 million, I think, in the calendar year last year. We're already at $22, 23000000 million, and we started this last May. So I'm really happy where we're at. But I do – I have a goal where if we can get to $20 million, I think we could get that last $2 million. We've been so – Is $22 million the magic number? $22, 23 You know, I think uh, John is still working through that where we're going to have to work with some people about, hey, this is the price we can't go over. <laughs> you know, we're just in a different situation than some schools. Like South Florida, you know, they raised half of it, and they went ahead and built it. But we know that coming in. We're very fortunate to have the Town Bank Tower. If we can get this indoor facility, it's not just rain and wet – you know, rain. I watched it today – and over the week when it's 95 degrees man it helps one day to go inside i was listening to houston's coach the other day saying hey we're gonna go or Tulane's coach he said man i've really pushed him hard the last two days outside we're gonna have to go indoor for a day or two and we just don't have that luxury right now and we're gonna get there i mean i've told coach houston we're gonna get there but any kind of money that comes in the pirate club is so vital because right now scholarship costs continue to rise and obviously, you've got the NIL part 
that is a large part of it. That doesn't really affect the Pirate Club. I don't want anybody to think it does. I think if you can support our student-athletes with NIL, I'm all for it. We have not seen that you know, affect us. But, no, facilities right now with this campaign is our number one, that and the annual fund. But it doesn't matter if it's $100, $50, $200. All of that adds up very quickly. Can you stick with us? We're going to take a break yeah. real quick. We want to talk uh, parking this year. Got Over, a lot of questions. Lot, got yeah. some questions, uh, folks, you can fire off on Facebook or YouTube. We'll take a quick timeout. Ryan Robinson, our special guest. Uh, noticed uh, there's some uh, new trailers over at Elmhurst School. A lot of people have had questions about that. So there could be a little different parking situation based on what Pitt County Schools, Elmhurst Elementary, is going to be doing. So uh, we'll get you ready for East Carolina game day coming up September 9th against Marshall with Ryan Robinson. We'll take a quick timeout. Be back right after this. Thank you. Psychic spies from China try to steal your You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Pirate Water. Get ready to party, pirates. Go to drinkpiratewater.com to find your new treasure. 21 and older only. Pirate Water. Why be yourself when you can be a pirate? Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you need custom t-shirts, apparel, or promotional items for your business, organization, or event? We'll keep it local and print it local with University Sportswear. Contact them today at universitysportswearenc.com, the official sportswear provider of Pirate Radio. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. All right, back with you, Pirate Radio Live. Ellerby here, Ryan Robinson here. One more segment. And uh, Ryan, uh, let's go speed round of viewer questions if we can real quick. Can't wait. Let's see if you got the Can't answers. Uh, John asking, how many tickets were sold for Michigan? About 2,800, I think. Um Really, really good number, and I will tell you right now, we've, you know, our tailgate is sold out because we sold about 600 tickets to that tailgate. So, right now, we are well ahead of what we sold for Michigan than we are at. What about other away game tailgates, real quick, while we're on that? Are they uh, are they still doing other games? We're going to do there? one in App State day of, and then one at Navy day of, and then we might, depending on what it looks like, we've talked about doing one at Florida Atlantic. Because we do have some pirate fans in that area. Chad asking, can tickets still be purchased for App State? <laughs> yes, they are. Please call the ticket office. All right. I think it's seven three seven forty five hundred. Tell them Ryan sent you. They'll give you no <laughs> discount. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, John says, could y'all ask Ryan when Michigan tickets will be sent out? They are signing them later this week, so it'll be next week. And Kenny says, when are tickets going out by email? Is that <laughs> for, for season tickets? For season? season, that'll probably be middle of August. August 10th is when we kind of shut down the payment plan, so that's when he'll start assigning tickets. And if people haven't renewed, uh, there could be some some good tickets available. All right, got an Elmhurst question, and you can kind of jump yeah. on that, LRB. But Kenny asking, how can I get an extra parking pass for Elmhurst? Well, you need to call the Pirate Club. I don't know your priority. And a lot of people have talked about Elmhurst and, and what they're doing over there. J.J. McLam, who uh, is on our leadership team, handles facilities. He's working with Elmhurst, the city, and the county. We don't anticipate from a Pirate Club standpoint of it being uh, much of a, I don't want to say our inventory. You know, obviously we're going to have a little bit less, but we don't see it affecting anything. Obviously, it's a general mission parking, so depending on where these items are placed, you might not be able to park there. But um, 
we we don't we don't concede an issue we think we're going to be fine yeah elmhurst i guess is adding some trailers i guess to do some renovations at the school in the upcoming fiscal year so uh it looks like there is an area uh close to berkeley road where in, that you're just going to be losing a few spots <laughs> yeah. but uh if people want to call about parking or anything call is there still club. some pirate club parking still available yeah, for this year there's still some pirate club parking i don't know for sure on Helmhurst. tell them to call the pirate club um maybe ask for danielle morin if she's listening danielle they're, they're calling you i tell danielle because she's amazing she uh she kind of handles it all but or you can ask for drew moeller but i think the biggest thing is you know i know we still have a little bit of premium parking but premium parking is selling really well um you know i like i said when you when you talk about premium Everything is selling pretty well. You seem to put premium on everything. Over there. <laughs> I know. We might just start putting premium. Uh, will parking passes be digital? No. Ask John? No. Okay. So your <laughs> traditional. Same as, same yeah. as the past. Yeah. Yeah. Rear view mirror is safe. Yep. yep. All right. Uh, we would love to go digital, but I think going digital <laughs> tickets, what, a couple years ago? Right. It's it's a process. Digital yeah. scanners and it's a process. Uh, people staffing, <laughs> lot, lots of things yeah. to, to build up to. Uh, what is East Carolina doing to make the game day experience better to bring back season ticket holders? I mean, you talked about this. Generally, it's a problem for everybody. Anything in particular? Well, Ryan, you know of? I think the main thing, two things. Airmark, we are now kind of with Airmark's sports division, and you are going to see a major difference in kind of the product placement throughout the and the points of sale. I don't want to speak out of turn because it's kind of JJ's area now, but we are going to have a lot more points of sale. And you know, I want to sit here and tell you everything's going to be perfect. It needs to be perfect after what we experienced, but I do think it is. And then the kids zone is going to be on another level this year. We are working with a donor that is going to have some naming rights on it for one of his um, grandchildren that it, it's going to be um, next level, kind of the old uh, kids zone, but on steroids. So I'm really excited about that. And really, but Cliff, you talk about experience, man. We just got to make sure that People can go get a drink, food, yeah. and get back in their seats. Joe has a statement that I will try to turn into a question. He says, if you divert that $15 million raised for a practice facility towards NIL, not only will you have the players to win 10 games a year, but also be able to raise the money to build a practice facility that will have a small impact on winning. Basically, he's saying funds need to go by players towards NFL, NIL more so than, than buildings. Nah. So I guess my question is, if somebody has an X sum of money that they want to give to East Carolina in one way or another, how do you recommend they divvy <coughs> well, out those funds? About it, like with the team, Bulger, we talk about it, you know, we're never going to sweat. We just say, hey, here's the different buckets. I will tell you on that question, you know, listen, there's plenty of people out there that don't want to do the NIL. And I get that. I respect that. Um, but there are a lot of people that want to give to projects. But I will tell you, we need it all. And I know that's not a great answer, but, you know, right now in our state, in indoor facilities, I think we're, we're heading down the road to being the only one. So we have to get that. It is going to benefit all of our student-athletes. I see them working out every summer. I see when it rains where now Coach Godwin can take his team in there. Like, we need it. I understand for some it doesn't look as as important, but I know that we've had some donors step up, and they've kind of realized the importance, but we need everybody behind it. But NIL is very important, and, and I think, to be honest with you, I think we're doing pretty well. You know, it's really hard to judge. I think that's kind of what Congress has, has talked about is I wish there was a way where I could call and say, okay, what's if Clip's the point guard at Houston, hey, what's 
what's clip making and there is really not that now so now it's a lot of oh yeah clips making this and it's like do i really believe that yeah. are they using that in recruiting right um because a lot of the numbers you hear i know from talking to other schools they're not true uh, but we do pretty well in, in, in NIL, and it will continue to grow. But I do think NIL, what it's going to take, it is going to take, you know, the $100 to $200 donors to really do that. And we'll get there, but I'm really I'm excited about where we're at from an NIL perspective. We get a lot of questions here. We ask a lot of questions here. What, what is the number one question you get asked on a, on a daily basis by Pirate Club bands, fans? Um, lately, it's been how much more to get the indoor facility built. Um the second one is, what is the food? Do we know the food schedule for Minji's for the year? Uh, those are small things in life, Jonathan. But a lot of it is um, conference realignment right now. I probably today, probably eight questions on that. But it's so random. I could pick up. That's what I love. I answer the phone a lot in the Pirate Club, and my staff will tell you that I do. Because I just love talking to people and hearing their questions um but yeah I mean, we get asked a lot of questions but realignment is is a lot of it and the indoor facility what's it going to take to get it built and i will tell you on the indoor facility when you come down charles boulevard and you see this thing for a recruit where is it I, actually going to be located it's for it's, people that are trying to the, uh, you know where the auxiliary practice field is right next to the football it's going to yeah. be there all the way back to ward like if you're a recruit i don't care what sport you are going to drive up charles boulevard and say wow like, this is the big time. And we already have, you know, so many of our student-athletes will tell you the great thing about ECU now is everything is so close together. Thanks to Carl Rogers, um, you know, the weight room now right by baseball. Baseball can do be doing infield practice and go right to the weight room. So we're trying to get everything where it's all together. And that's just a, that's a, that's a final piece that I know we're going to get there. Uh, I've made a lot of promises to people that we're going to get there. So I'm going to work my butt off to get there. The Pirate Nation is big and large and passionate. Uh, how do you turn that into more Pirate Club members? What's what's the best way to, to, to grow the Pirate Club? Get those, uh, just to get people at $100 and, and, and grow them from there. Well, I think a lot of it is communication, but I think word of mouth. Um, you know, the Jonathan Ellerby telling the, the 19, 21, 22-year-old just graduated, hey, I've been a Pirate Club member forever. You can do it for $100. We just need engagement. Engagement will turn into tickets purchased. And I, what I right now, that 20 to 30 years old, we need to be all over. And Danielle Morin has done a good job. Um, you know, we, we continue to talk about uh, our Letter Winners Club, Pirates Supporting Pirates. And when I mention Pirates Supporting Pirates, there's a lot of businesses out there that are in that age group. They're just starting. So we've got to get them involved. And the other thing, Jonathan, I think is so important in Greenville is I understand we have a lot of businesses in Greenville that aren't pirates, but you're making a lot of money off ECU being here. And I know personally three or four pirate club members that I've helped, uh, we've helped sign up, you know, whether it's an insurance agency or whatever to say, hey, but you're here in town. I know you might like NC State or Virginia Tech, and we've got to continue to sell that message. Man, we're not asking you for millions. Just be engaged and support, and I know it'll help your business as well. All right, a uh, new segment called Ask Ryan. I like From well, the Helm, but I think Ask Ryan yeah. should be a new segment. Well, last thing I want to say is on basketball reseeding, that's probably the other question I get asked more. 
the seats are going in September 15th, but we're probably going to start the reseeding process a little bit early. And really, it's not a reseeding. It is we're going to have 400 new seats and we'll do it by priority that people can move into. I will tell you that seeing the manifest and the seats, um, if you're able, you're going to want to sit in these seats. When is the next reseeding for football? Next year. So, so we're working 2024 on 2024 season. Yeah, 2024. So we're going through that process now of what that's going to look like. But basketball, it's not really a reseeding as much as 400 new tickets in a section becoming available. And I think you're going to have a lot of people move down, like yourself, that's in those uh, purple. I think, you know, moving them down to these seats. Uh, listen, I'd love for one day for it all to be um, chair back, but I think the students are going to add a lot on that side they they i tell you last year they were amazing our students have been amazing at football too uh, it pains me when people say ecu students don't show up they show up i saw it all last year in football we had record numbers my dad was worried about with the reseeding <laughs> not that he wouldn't be able to move up he just doesn't want anybody to take his 213 seats i'm like dad i think we're good up there in the corner he <laughs> likes gonna, being up there we're gonna in the make corner. sure yeah, yeah i don't know why he likes up in the corner yeah, that's, that's if it's it. up to me i'd like to be able to move the media down a little bit too that's one of the things that's bothered me since i got here is that our media does such a good job but we put them up in the rafters <laughs> you put them in the hallway i know <laughs> but they got a great hey the press box there's not much better than that press box it is well, nice. i appreciate you guys having me Thanks, i appreciate Ron. everything Thanks. you all do and um please let me know if i can ever help and i definitely would try to get jj on in the next next week or so we'll get uh, jj on talk about operations uh, what's going to be new inside the stadium uh ryan uh if people have pirate club questions just want to join want to buy season tickets uh i guess they you, they may get you if they call over yeah. you, you may please call over send an email you know we really want to hear from you and i love there's nothing more when our phones are ringing off the hook because I'm telling you, just listening to our football staff, I think this is going to be a really cool football season. And you're having a luncheon coming up? Uh, yeah, is we it, have is a kick- still available? Yeah, we have a kickoff luncheon. You can get online. I will tell you, I would get on it. Um, we've already halfway sold out. You know, probably got 40 t- tables available. We've already sold 20. It's very popular because it's short. It's sweet. We got Sam Jones Barbecue. You're going to hear from Coach Houston, uh, Donnie, Donnie Kay, and Blake Harold. It's always a pretty cool event. So sign up, get your table. It's very, very inexpensive. Ryan, good stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, fellas. Ellerby, you, uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. All right, we'll see you next week. Well, we got our Fleet Feed rundown when we return. We'll hear what Mike Houston had to say on Saturday. We'll try to give you the latest on who's in what conference in college football and have more for you when we return hour one pirate radio live back with you after this Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Pirate Water. Get ready to party, Pirates. Go to drinkpiratewater.com to find your new treasure. 21 and older only. 
Pirate Water. Why be yourself when you can be a pirate? Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Order Jersey Mike subs on the mobile app and get delivery right to your home or save time and order ahead to skip the line to pick up from your nearest Jersey Mike sub location. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. Shirley Rhodes, intern Joey, Chan Man to my left. What's up, Chandler? Hey, Clipper. Good to see you. Happy Monday. All that. Back to you. Every single word of it. Uh, let's get to our Fleet Feet rundown. Let's run it down. Because uh got a lot to catch you up on, including pirate football and uh, looking forward to jason nichols joining us here in hour number three we'll have a full report uh with all of the comments we received on saturday a lot of good stuff but we'll kick off today's fleet feed rundown here and what mike houston had to say following saturday's practice uh, cut one heat got turned up a little bit today and not not the temperature although it was finally a touch warmer um you know big thing is just uh you know a lot more competition you know we're, we're finally in shells and uh you know it's it's the fine line early in shells where you know they're they're chomping to go and you know you got to teach the young ones how to thud tackle okay and teach them teach them what physical contact looks like you know without going to the ground and then the old ones you got to kind of hold them back a little bit but uh the competition in the practice is really really good today pleased with that um we've made improvement uh, I think it's been a solid start to camp. Uh, now their bodies probably need tomorrow. You know, we got all the typical, you know, growings, hamstrings, you know, the, all the all the stuff from all the running and change of direction that uh, you know you can condition all you want to in the summer. But it's different than a college football practice. So, uh, but I think a positive start to camp. Uh, be good to get the film to, this afternoon. Get a day off to take care of the bodies tomorrow, and then next week's a big week for us. Going full pads tomorrow, Chandler, and uh, everybody gearing up for the scrimmage on Saturday. The players seemed excited about that and uh, definitely excited about full pads as well coming up. No doubt about it. I mean, I feel like it was asked a lot about uh, the thud, a lot of thudding going on lately with the shells, but I I believe these guys are ready to get the full pads on and start hitting a little harder, maybe doing a little bit of tackling and stuff. So uh, we talked to Julius Wood, who we might hear from here later on. But, uh, yeah, these, these guys are ready to get out there and hit and start tackling and get as much in game mode as possible and that will start tomorrow with full pads julius wood is ready to hit uh shirley hit julius wood one i asked him is it frustrating that he can't go out and pop a guy right now oh yeah yeah it's very frustrating like playing football knowing that you can't hit just yet so you uh it's just learning how to practice uh in college uh, environment you just gotta um protect each other because we all a team so uh, you got to know when the days when we're uh, just studying and the days where we're hitting live. And it do frustrate you sometimes because uh, as a football player, you want to hit, you want to take them down, especially as you, if you're a defensive player. So, yeah, it frustrates you. Uh, Julius Wood, a veteran, knows how to compartmentalize that a little bit. Mike Houston said he had to pull some of the guys back maybe that aren't experienced in how to practice physically and how to – thud tackle when you're supposed to do that not bring them to the ground and then when the real hitting begins what to do but as julius wood said there the number one thing right now is looking after your teammates they're all a team but having said all that he's ready to uh to get physical what's up big dog speaking of getting physical big dog run in no i just thought you were going to talk about a lot realignment so i'm right. here for that all right we'll get to that in a moment uh mike houston your biggest takeaway so far after a week of fall camp cut to Roger Harris is just fine. That's the biggest thing. Um, he, I don't, 
you can't even tell he ever had an injury. I mean, he's very confident. He's running decisively. Uh, he's, he's looked really, really good. Um, I think our offensive line, I've been pleased with the progress we're making right there. we still got to figure out, you know, who goes where exactly, but we're making, making strides there. Um, we are long and can run at the second and third level on defense. You know, got to get everybody playing together. You know, got some new guys out there, but we've we got a lot of competition. Um, I think our kickers have been very, very good. I mean, we got multiple guys competing right now, and the reason there's multiple guys is because all of them are, are doing a good job. All right, I'm starting to um, – I think I might have a narrative for this season. I'm starting to – I think we, we might be back at the skip days. I think our defense – because Mike Houston talks a lot about the the linebacking core and the the secondary, kind of because we know the D line is going to be pretty good yeah. with all those returners. Uh, I'm starting to think this team, if they win and have a winning uh, season, is going to win with defense and do enough in the run game on offense. Mason Garcia, I don't want to compare Mason Garcia to Patrick Pinkney because I think Mason Garcia's ceiling is ten floors higher than Patrick Pinkney's, but. Man, if they can have some explosion on offense, I'm starting to think this defense is going to keep them in a lot of games and potentially win them uh, some games this year. You look back at those teams, those 08-09 teams, and you think about that defensive line that had been there for a while with C.J. Johnson, J. Ross, Linville Joseph, uh, Scotty Robinson. That's what we have right here with a defensive line that kind of gets things started, that sets the base for this defense. With Dante Johnson and Jeremy Lewis and a number of other guys that have got a lot of experience. And then uh, the linebacking core and, and DBs can just play as much of a role as those 08 and 09 guys have played. So very excited to see this defense. But I, the key word so far in fall camp is competition. There's a lot of competition going around going around. Uh, on this roster in different position groups. So excited to see where this competition goes in different position groups, especially at the quarterback position. Uh, A lot more Pirate football talk on the way, the history of Pirate football. Uh, We'll talk about that with Ronnie Woodward, Patrick Cash coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Jansen said, I would like to take this opportunity to own up to my major misread I claimed last week on this chat that major college football realignment was done. And then he says, boy, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, so this was all going down Friday into last week. Friday night, even. So you had, I'm trying to remember the timeline of events now, but Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten, and then Arizona, Big 12. Arizona was quickly followed out the door by Arizona State and Utah to the Big 12, which left the Forgotten Four out in uh, on the left coast with Washington State, Oregon State. It was really good last year, by the way. Oregon State was. Cal and Stanford, who were not really good last year. So as that's where we are right now. What happens with those four teams? Do they latch on to the Mountain West? Can Mike Oresco scoop them up? Um, there's is there a that... conglomeration between a bunch of de- does Mountain West and Pac-12 take schools away from the American and then we have to find a home like there's still a lot of stuff on the table right now but the Forgotten Four is down to Forgotten Two or getting that way per some reports on Twitter from because what Pete Dammel's reporting that uh, in the next 24 hours there's calls to vet for the ACC to vet 
Cal and Stanford. Mm. It's so weird, man. Yeah. The Atlantic Close Conference with Stanford and Cal. Uh, I mean, I, I can't see Cal and, or excuse me, Stanford in the same conference as East Carolina. No, it just feel would feel they could be in the same conference as Carolina and Duke. I feel that Wake way. is fine. Like, I could see us being in a conference with Washington State and Oregon State. Yeah, I could see that. I, I realize the geography doesn't work at all, but that but Oregon like, State profiles, baseball matchup would be great. Like I could, they, it's very similar. They're, they they kind of, I don't know. I could see that happening. Uh, but yeah, Pete Dammel said next twenty four hours. There's two calls for the ACC to vet and have early exploratory discussions on the potential addition of cal and stanford so that would leave if that were to happen uh leave washington state oregon state out there i guess the thing i'm most worried about right now is those four joining a mountain west or whatever and then that conference taking smu smooth and others maybe from the american maybe Rice like or somebody uh, yeah or a south florida because they like the tampa location right Remember, it's not all everybody about, wants a vacation down in florida yeah it's not about winning and stuff it's about where you're located it's now where your executives get to spend a weekend during the uh season yeah move the mountain west uh meetings to tampa yes <laughs> and uh but, but who the hell knows yeah uh, it is uh Jamie uh, Jamie says ACC is throwing out lifelines for those schools and itself. That is true. Because, I mean... They are saying, help us form a crew. But is that going to be enough for Florida State and Clemson to, no. to stay? No, it definitely won't. So are they already replacing Clemson and Florida State? Yeah. Or Florida State in particular? I mean, Florida State sounds... They're going to the loan sharks and saying, can you loan us $30 million to get out of this thing? That's, I mean, that's pretty determined. It's dumb. It's not a smart move. We played the Mike Houston cut earlier. He said, "I, you know, I don't know what it looks like three to five years from now, but ECU will be a part of it." It's true. I mean, ECU will be playing football. Where? What conference? Against who? I don't know. I do think it's funny that there's this chance that the ACC ends up being like the old Big East, like the theoretical Big East, almost that could have been that ECU would have been a part of. With, like, to, uh, Tulsa and South Florida in them? Well, like, no, the, 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 the 90s Big East, theoretically. Oh, like the like, Metro. That, yes, that yeah. had that had my Aunt Willow. It's like Louisville, Virginia Tech, the U, ECU. West Virginia. Tulane was in there, West Virginia. Yeah, yeah it's that theoretical. ECU conference. was almost involved in the first major conference. Yes. Like, it almost happened. With and, Florida State. And who knows, God, where we would be if that hit. Sure. We'd be in a in a different spot, I think, than we are today. I agree. Big time. I mean, I, I, we would be have a similar trajectory to Virginia Tech. Virginia probably. Tech and West Virginia and yeah. schools like that. Yeah. TCU, because like it, it, it was a little before my time, but I mean, a lot of folks at Virginia Tech and ECU were pretty much the same, right? As far as athletic programs before, like the Big East broke off, yeah, and and, and that happened, yeah. All right, we got to get a break in. We'll come back. We'll have more talk uh, about this stuff on the show. Hour two, we'll talk to Ronnie Woodward and Patrick Cash about the history of East Carolina football exhibit at Joiner Library. Brian Bailey will join us. Jason Nichols, a lot more. ECU uh, football audio from Mike Houston and the players and your comments as well on Facebook, YouTube. While you're there, give us a like, subscribe, 
and uh, be a part of what we're doing here at Pirate Radio as we are fired up for another football season. Back with more when we return after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Caliber, Eastern North Carolina's premier outdoor shooting sports store for over 60 years. Visit carolinacalibercompany.com to shop today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Greenville Utilities Neighbor to Neighbor program provides help for those who need temporary assistance with their utility costs, and you can make a difference. Your tax-deductible donation can be added to your GUC bill each month. Or you can make a one-time donation, and GUC will match all donations up to $20,000 each year. Consider helping a neighbor with GUC's Neighbor to Neighbor program. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. All right, back with you here inside the Pirate Radio studios on a Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Brian Bailey going to join us later this hour. Former ECU wide receiver Jason Nichols will be in studio. Jay Nick will be with us all season long part of our team with our ecu football coverage and yesterday the current team and mike houston and others got a chance to uh take a walk down memory lane the history of ecu football exhibit uh, right now at joiner library and joining us to talk about that our old friend ronnie woodward rondo good to see you how you doing man i'm doing good long this time no like chat old time i know i like it probably we should talk about brian packard or something yeah I saw you had him on. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm all over. Uh, Patrick Cash also joining us as well. Patrick, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having us. And uh, guys, uh, the awesome uh, deal going on right now. And, and let's get to the genesis of it. Where did this idea of kind of a an ECU football history exhibit come from? I'll defer to Patrick on that. All one. right. The, the star of the uh, the show on that. Yes, yeah, so in tw- uh, 2020, when I was working in university archives at Joiner Library, we were partnering with Marshall University on some publicity for the 50th anniversary of that 1970 ECU Marshall game uh, that happened right before the deadly crash of the Marshall team. And unfortunately, that game got canceled, yeah. as you know, that year because of COVID. And we still put out some blog posts and some social media content. Uh, but it was during that whole process that that kind of brought back some memories. I had been part of a uh, history of football exhibit at a previous institution, so I've done this before. And when we were doing that, you know, we were uncovering a lot of stuff about the Marshall game and then finding other things in our collection. So it just kind of popped in my head, you know, this would be a really neat project to work on. And then fast forward a little while, um, we tried to do typically two to three exhibits a year in the library in the special collections division, uh, which I'm a part of, and it came up that we needed an exhibit. Uh, so I brought the idea back up. It got approved by the group, and then it kind of just grew from there. Uh, the final product what we have now is not the original idea. It was going to be much smaller, but when, once it kind of got feet underneath it, just took off running and, and really grew from there. Yeah, and it's really neat to see that uh – I don't know. You think library, you think, okay, maybe old write-ups, articles, things like that. These are actual 
jerseys helmets programs everything in between and i noticed on uh some pirate radio folks were out there yesterday getting video pictures things like that i saw a lot of donated by so and so so how did you reach out to to folks and get all these cool exhibits that you have out there right now so once the word got out that the exhibit was happening some social media posts uh, got made and some ecu football uh facebook groups fan facebook groups and really we just started getting emails and phone calls from alumni and former players reaching out to us saying you know hey i have this are you interested or you know i've got an entire collection come up and check it out so really february and march i spent a lot of time going across the state uh when as far west as Burlington or far west as burlington uh to get some items and picked up um i mean in total we picked up about 230 items from either former players or alumni and then partnered that with the material that we had in our permanent collections at the university whether that be some jerseys some helmets some game balls some trophies uh and then a lot of you know the programs first coaches or second coaches contract so it was just a good partnership between what we had in the library's holdings and then what had already been collected by uh pirate fans really neat stuff patrick cash ronnie woodward joining us ronnie where do you fit in here just being a sports fan and knowing some football and yeah getting on board um like this obviously uh just some of my connections in the athletics kind of local world um have uh kind of been a i guess a compliment to patrick at times editing you know around the the walls of the gallery there's big panels basically you know in written form um just describing a timeline of the history of ecu football so i helped patrick with some editing of the text of some of that and then just yeah the marketing promotion setting up the thing for yesterday i know that was a big thing patrick and i had worked on with malcolm gray and um jake kirkendall over at ecu football and really glad that that happened was a a thing you know shout out to chandler too because i thought he had the best question yesterday from the whole media group and then i forgot what the question was so now i can publicly tell him that he uh, he asked Patrick um, yesterday during interviews what has been like his most memorable part or favorite part, and Patrick said it was yesterday. You know, it was seeing once the football team got in, their reaction. Yeah, they embraced it, which was cool. Like we didn't know yesterday. What if they just kind of walk around like, man, I want to go get some lunch, or whatever. Um, but the players were into it. Mike Houston, the coaches. It's neat for the fans to get it, and fans yeah. are going to love it, but the actual players today yeah. learning about history of guys that came before them, yeah. that's awesome. Like that was that was cool, and Patrick had a great line. So, um, yeah, shout-out to Chandler for that question. But, yeah, a lot of it is is that we have a reception coming up um, the week of the Marshall game, September 7th at 4 o'clock, um, and that's open to the public as well. John Gilbert, Ryan Robinson, some athletics people are going to be there. Um, so that'll be something we'll start kind of planning and, and working for in September. And, um, yeah, so just trying to promote it as much as we can and, and work on different things. And it, it's cool, too. You mentioned I'll add as well. Um, I think one of the neat things about the exhibit itself is the different aspects. Like some people are just attracted to – the jerseys, the helmets, some yeah. of the flashier things. We have video from the 1970 Marshall ECU game um, on a projection screen, so showing video game film. But there's also, uh, like I showed Blake Harrell and Mike Houston yesterday, the 1964 playbook as like my five favorite item. Oh wow! Um, that has like run a right, list. run left. Yeah, I mean. It's, drawn out like you're in the backyard like in the sand and it has these notes you know if the tackle goes left 
pinch the nose guard into the right, you know, and it's full. It's a it's the playbook that the players got during the preseason. Oh, it's play by play. Um, Blake Harrell took a picture of it. And Mike Houston was like, "Oh, I, um, you know, have a connection to Stasevich, Clarence Stasevich." Just some of that stuff, some of the football specific stuff, like me and you, and those people would be really into. Some people would just like the the jerseys. It, there's different elements of what you might be attracted to or like. Um, that I think is cool. So, yeah, th- there's a lot to offer there and, and check out. So we encourage people to, to do so. Yeah, all right. Well, real quick on that, Robert asking, when will the exhibit be available to the public? So for people that want to see it, when are they able to check it out? Yeah, we've gotten some questions about that. The library itself is open to the public. So um, it's it you can come whenever you want. The only time after 11 p.m., is when you have to have a one card. So basically, if you're so if you want to go anytime during yeah, the day, you can, you go, can go tomorrow during the day. When you walk um, in the library, like where do you go? So you walk in the main entrance to the library. It's on the second floor is the main um, part of the exhibit. There's some additional stuff on the third floor in North Carolina collection. Um, but the second floor, uh, if you walk through the main entrance steps, first steps on your left, go up the steps, and then once you get right up to the second floor, you'll see it from there. It's right there in front of you in the uh, Janice Hardison Faulkner Gallery. And um, you mentioned something from the for the Marshall game, so it'll be up at least until then, but how long will this yeah. be be up? Uh, Mid-November. Oh, okay. saying right now cool. into November. Um, there's some other events we have later in the semester um, that kind of overlap, so we don't have an exact end date yet, but right. for majority of the football season. So people have weeks, months. Um, and the other thing I'll say, too, people do have the question about um, being open – Look on our website, the library hours. If you go to library.ecu.edu, there's a link right there that says hours that stays daily, you know, up to date. So you'll know um, right now for the summer, we're closed on the weekends. But once the semester starts, which is August 21st, we're open 24 hours basically during the week and then mostly open on the weekend as well. So Saturdays, if people are coming in for um, for a home game, obviously, and they yeah. check it out on a Friday or Saturday. Um, we are definitely open to the public, and you can walk right in. Like I said, just late at night during the week, which I imagine many people probably wouldn't be doing that anyway. That's mainly for students who are studying overnight on a Monday, Tuesday night, you know, at 1, 2 a.m., whatever. Um, you do have to get a one car, but all, others time, all other times, we're open to the public and um, head right in, go to the second floor, and uh, check it out. Yeah, I mean, with school out right now, it might be a pretty good time to go yeah. the next couple of weeks, right? Definitely. Well, there's not a lot of traffic. And I will add, um, Ronnie mentioned the 1970 Marshall ECU game. So since that is on a projector, that film does cut off at 5 o'clock just to save the projector. Oh, okay. But all of the items in the exhibit have QR codes that will link uh, viewer visitors to either you know the digital item which is on our library website or a game recap or something else out there about the history of ECU football so even if you don't make it to the five o'clock time you're still able to scan that QR code and, and view the Marshall ECU game film at any time awesome uh Jamie kind of in conjunction with that asking do you have a virtual tour for it uh we don't have a virtual tour now there have been some talks about making this yeah. um you know, a virtual component later on. Uh, we do have to figure out some issues about the loaned items and, and you know, copyright um, uh, concerns there. Uh, but for now, if you are interested in a tour, it is a self-guided exhibit. It's, it's you know, you can kind of walk through it on your own. Uh, you can, you know, do it chronologically from the beginning, or you can just kind of come in and, you know, walk around and view the materials. But both Ronnie and myself are open to, to meet anybody who would like 
uh, you know, somewhat of a tour or some background into what exactly we did, um, because we, we did some really interesting works and uh, some work into how we, you know, uh, displayed some of these items. You know, football jerseys aren't meant to be displayed outside of being on somebody in a game time. So there, there were some, some interesting uh, problems that we had to figure out. <laughs> uh, so Ronnie liked the playbook from way back in the day. Patrick, uh, probably tough for you to narrow it down, but any unique favorite I- or an item you got? Like, I can't believe we got this. Uh, anything stand out to you? Uh, there's a couple things. Uh, the first th- the first one, just personally, is the Coach Houston signed bowl game ticket from last season. Uh, we-, we both went to the same undergrad, so it's just always nice to oh, see cool. a-, a fellow Marcel alum succeed in that in that capacity. Um, but really, for me, it's the Marshall materials. It's that 1970 digitized game content and yeah. then just actually a couple of days ago we added a couple of new things to the exhibit which are a game worn helmet and jersey from that game um and i got to uh kind of meet with a, a former player who played in that game and we talked about that and that group's going to be coming through the library in august awesome uh, so the marshall contents my kind of go-to favorite uh item from the exhibit uh great stuff uh ronnie woodward patrick cash joining us i saw I mean, really cool. We're talking about helmets, Ronnie. Uh, the old battered, uh, old pirate leather logo. That, that was a leather helmet there. There was a there. leather helmet. Yeah. Man, what what year was that from? Uh, that's circa 1930s. So Man. That is not an, uh, an authentic ECU helmet, um, at least not from what I can verify. All the sources that I've found say that two to three games into that first season, ECU painted their brown helmets purple. So we kind of <laughs> had purple helmets from the beginning. So. Wow. But that is the... the type of leather helmet that they we would have worn in 1932 when we started the program this is like uh some some pawn stars type stuff where they bring in the experts and say what is this real what is this from i had did you talk to i don't know experts in the field about is this legit or did you have to to do any of that uh we didn't do that uh our our more our area of verifying all the things is just the facts on on the boards that we were putting out and the panels you know i wanted to make sure the scores were correct uh which really became quite difficult especially in some of those early games I, w- I was joking around with athletics um yesterday that you know some of those games where we played presbyterian junior college or atlantic christian college their their final score is different from our final score and it's different from the official score on espn dating back that far so you kind of have to figure out which one you're going with you know um ecu says we beat them by 20 they say that we only beat them by 10 uh, so that that was more of our trying to figure out exactly the the facts and verifying all that. Ryan, did you call Tom McClellan during this at any point? This sounds like he's right up yeah, his alley. Pro- I, I know we've <laughs> chatted some recently, and yeah. I, I don't know about any specifics with like artifacts. But one yeah. of the ones that I like going back to some of the teams that ECU has faced is um, there's a game program right in the entrance of the exhibit that is uh, ECTC versus WT. WT WCTC. WCTC. So it was so Western. It was e- Western Carolina, East Carolina versus Teachers ECU. College versus yeah. okay versus Western Teachers College. But it was when they both were under that yeah. acronym. So that's pretty cool. Like seeing some of that. Um, they played. Was it the Naval uh, Naval Hospital in Virginia? Is yes, that so right? Somewhere along the way. Like some of the matchups have been interesting that we have game programs and tickets and stuff from. So there's there's a game program from the Norfolk Naval. Yeah, uh, team. There's one from the for the 82nd Airborne team. My favorite old program, um, and the individual that I got it from told me this great story behind it. But it's actually East Carolina versus New Hanover High School. 
And uh, the best part is they had the final score written on the program, and New Hanover High School won thirty-three to nothing. Oh no! So that that's the, been the early years. Yeah, those were the early years. But that's, well, I know that's Sonny Jurgensen went there, but it was probably before that. But uh, that is uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, Jamie asking, I'm sure there is, but uh, is there stuff in the exhibit from the Hurricane Floyd Miami game? And uh, if so, what what do you have from that particular game? Uh, we have. Um, there's a couple photographs from our special collections holdings of the damage that happens in the area. And then we actually have an unused uh, game ticket from the ECU Miami game from that day. And it's actually neat because, as you know, as we all know, the tickets are printed way in advance. So that ticket still has it listed as Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our piece of the Hurricane Hurricane uh, Floyd Miami or Miami ECU game. Really cool stuff. Uh, you got any questions for the guys? I'll be in here another few minutes. Patrick Cash and Ronnie Woodward. Patrick, when you're not, oh, you got something, Ronnie? I was just going to add, just to reinforce some of these yeah. questions come up, and I think Patrick and I have gotten a decent amount of emails in the last week or two. But honestly, I mean, if anybody's interested, um, you know, look us up on the, the library website or shoot us an email. Um, if you know, if you want to come by or you want to know about a, a time to come by or whatever. One of us would love to meet you in the library. I mean, my office in the library literally is outside of the exhibit, and Patrick's upstairs, just one floor. So um, we've started to pick up on some of that. But if any fans or anybody wants to come by, let us know because we'd love to show you around rather than you just walking around trying to, you know, figure it out on your own. Um, we, you know, we'd love to meet some people and, and kind of show them around a little unofficial tour or whatever um would be fun joe leggett uh was a former manager in the early 80s he's tuned in he says the 32 reggie branch jersey was mine and then gave it to todd owen since he was a collector there you go and i was able to to track that one down big big contributor todd owens um probably wouldn't have the exhibit without him yeah it's it's very easy to say we would not have the exhibit without todd owens um very thankful for him i spent a spent quite a long day with him going through his collection he donated over 100 i think it's over 160 items in total. wow uh john says are you still taking item donations I, I thought about that like i wonder if i got any cool stuff that could add. i don't know like so we're not taking item donations for the exhibit because it's it's open and we don't have room um but if you do have ecu athletic material or any you know material related to ecu in general uh the library's university archives are always welcome to talk to you about that and you can reach out to us uh, you can email our special collections division, um, which you can find that information on the library's website. But we're always happy to to um, help you find a home for your ECU items. That's really cool. Uh, so, Patrick, when you aren't doing awesome stuff like this, what are you doing day to day? What are your duties? Uh, so my responsibilities as manuscripts curators, I'm responsible for our manuscripts um, collection at Joiner Library, which is one of the departments in our special collections. So we have right around 1,500 unique collections that talk about and relate to the history of Eastern North Carolina, Pitt County, um, and North Carolina in general. We have everything from political papers, military papers, uh, personal correspondence, family genealogy, um, missionary work. Uh, if you know, if it relates to this region, we have it. So that that's that's my kind of day to day job. So I'll bounce back between you know working with football helmets to working with Civil War correspondence. <laughs> um, yeah are you a, a history buff is, is this something you wanted to get into or how did you yes fall into this? so i have an undergraduate degree in history degree and a graduate de- and a graduate degree in history um just finished up a graduate degree in archival science so i've been working with this type of uh material um for about since 2023 for about the last 
15 years. Um, I've worked here at ECU for five years. Uh, I was an archivist across the state before that, and then before that I worked at a museum in Tennessee. A good anecdote, by the way, since this is in my realm of communications and whatnot, and I pitched this to some of the media, is you were hired at ECU the same week as Mike Houston? Yes. Or like a week apart? Yes. And they both went, are Lenore Ryan college athletes? Mars Hill. Or not, yeah, not Lenore Ryan, Mars Hill. Uh, One of the greatest weeks in ECU history, hiring Mike Houston, right. Patrick Cash, and John Gilbert. It was all yeah, that exactly. was all in the same week. Patrick played lacrosse at Mars Hill. Yeah, Mike Houston played football at Mars Hill. So y'all got to chat a little bit yesterday, right? Did you yeah, just a l- little bit before yesterday. Uh, this is an ECU exhibit. Jamie says anything on the greatest teams or players ECU has faced. Anything from the opponent? Uh, other than the Marshall game, not really. Uh, we we. Tr- we tried not to focus too much on individual players uh, because, you know, then that can get into some some arguments about who's better than others. <laughs> uh, so we focused more on the team. Now there are some, you know, some items in there and uh, some information about, you know, like uh, Roger Thrift and some of those type level of NFL draft picks. Uh, but as far as opponents, other than a couple mentions of NC State and uh, UNC Chapel Hill and Marshall, not really anything else. You'll like this too, Clip. Uh, I would think this would be up your alley. There's a case with different rings, conference championship, bowl rings, the whole thing of just different rings that we have. And I think at least the most gaudy and big and coolest ring is the Beef O'Brady's Bowl. Hmm. It's actually Zay Jones' ring. It has Jones written on the side. But it's huge. Like It's bigger yeah. than some of the conference championship rings. Like Of all bowls, and I mean, it's obviously that was a big game, but you know, the Beef O'Brady's Bowl is this massive ring. Um, that looks really cool, and there's some other cool ones too. I know Patrick really likes the the second Conference USA Championship ring. Has the is the only one with like the Pirate State of Mind, like the midfield logo, is in the middle of that ring. Um, so that's pretty cool to look at the different rings, like which ones are bigger or smaller, or have different features or whatever. But the, I'm a big fan of the Beefo Brady's Bowl. I think Bryce has brought that in to show us, it's and huge. I was uh, out, just amazed. It's very big. Another wrinkle to that, um, Rob Cass played with some of those teams that won the rings, but also I bet he helped make some. Do you remember Rob uh, yeah. Cass went into the ring business? He probably did. And I bet he, uh, he Maybe has Maybe they got his, a discount for yeah. that, that one or something. The old, uh, the old Rob Cass discount there. Yeah. Um, Bronny, uh, do you miss asking players and coaches questions uh, like you, how do you like your new gig uh, yeah i love it i love it i don't i don't miss uh, yesterday was interesting because obviously i was like coordinating the interviews like i had to to kind of go up and introduce patrick um to the you know the local media and media that was there and, and mike houston and we had chad stevens and um see this is why i don't the center hampton or yeah see um so that was interesting to be on the other side of like kind of coordinating the interviews and, and all that. Um, and I think somebody even asked me, uh, like, who's that player? You know, where four or five years ago I would have got it on recognition. And I was kind of like, uh, go ask Malcolm. I think I leaned on like somebody, go ask this person. Like, I'm not completely sure because I don't, you know, keep up with it as much anymore. But uh, yeah, it's been interesting. But this has been a fun project to work on oh, obviously, yeah. with Patrick and, and kind of reminisce about some of that. and and read the games. I mean, a lot of those games, or some of them certainly I covered in some of the big moments, so that's been cool to reminisce for me, too. Patrick, what uh, were the players most interested in, if you got a chance to take a look at them? Uh, it was kind of varied. Um, you know, 
we have it situated to where there's a couple eye-catching pieces right when you turn the corner and walk into the exhibit. So the first thing, you know, everyone sees the case of the shiny rings, and we made sure they were nice and shiny. No one's touched them since we got them cleaned. What was so, the oldest ring? I'm just curious. Do you know? Uh, the oldest ring is the 19... I don't remember the exact year, but it's the conference championship from the 1970s. Oh, cool. So that's the oldest ring that we have. The oldest piece of jewelry that we have in the exhibit is the Tangerine Ball wristwatch. Um, that's six Tangerine Ball wristwatch. Yeah. yeah. So the player, they kind of, you know, they, they circled around the rings. Uh, they circled around the helmets. Um, they, they all liked the leather helmet. I saw them kind of talking about, you know, who's crazy enough to wear that in the field. <laughs> Uh, but then it, it was it was really neat because you saw a lot of them just kind of sitting there watching the the Marshall ECU game. Yeah. And I mean it's about it's a fifteen minute clip, and some of these guys sit there and watch the entire fifteen minutes. Who originally filmed that? Um, or how, like was it a school? school I think it was thing? a part of the broad is the broadcast. It's a part of the broadcast of that game. So was it actually televised somewhere? I believe so. Wow. Okay. I, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I believe that is part of the broadcast. Interesting. And like I said, it's only a small clip that we have about fifteen minutes. I saw a. Uh, a player staring at the uh the john thompson yellow, <laughs> the jersey. yellow jersey and i yeah. was just like man yep i might have uh, to do a uh you know these people tear down these old statues i might have to tear that one down that's a, that's a tough one but look history's not always bright sometimes yeah. you, you gotta that's right you gotta highlight the the downsides uh of history and i just the one game they wore those jerseys i was there in charlotte it uh did not go well did not go well i know um Yesterday, observing a lot of people, a lot of the players were into watching that the projection screen or you know wall of the Marshall game. And I walked over um, and was talking to a few of the players and was like, "Do y'all know what game that's from?" And to his credit, uh, Mason Garcia was the one who spoke up. So, yeah, I was just reading that's from the Marshall game, and I was like, "Have y'all ever seen We Are Marshall?" You know, I was movie. about to ask. I wonder if kids now. It was interesting, that. yeah, because they were kind of like it was kind of crickets you know i was like oh i don't know but then mason was like yeah and i was like so they played at ecu you know the day the the movie starts with being at ficklin stadium you know and and they left the ecu game and that's when the crash happened um so good that the quarterback of all people was on it he (laughs) he was he had his wheels were spinning and knew that um and some others didn't and i was talking to some of the media about that as well that it was interesting that the current players probably don't know that you know they don't know maybe that history so um mike houston the coaches and i'm sure are aware and and when marshall comes to play this year i'm sure some of that will get talked again obviously but um it was interesting that the players maybe didn't know that and maybe they can learn some of that from this exhibit oh yeah um you know that refresh why that why that game and why that rivalry is so important to both universities that goes back way you know before them so that part was cool to see to see them kind of learn about that and and be into that part of the rivalry and there was a great part yesterday too which which i'm really glad the team got to come um because one of the things we did for the team is we laid out a bunch of the items that didn't make it into the exhibit um whether it just be we got them late or we didn't have space for them and a lot of those were some early programs and we had several players uh who i overheard and then malcolm gray mentioned it to me after the fact that they were going through the programs like well there's my grandfather there's my uncle oh wow you know there, there was one there was my dad um you know they <laughs> found cool. they found their family who had played here before so that was that was a neat part for them to see that you know they're a part of ecu football their family's been a part of the history of the program 
Coach Shank. They were into Coach yeah. Shank Weiler. He was in like eight different programs. He, yeah, like, <laughs> and I didn't expect that to be a theme of yesterday. Like, where's how many things is Coach Shank Weiler? Like, how many decades does he span? And I was like, oh yeah, I guess. So they some of the offensive linemen, especially, were joking about that and and like seeing him and you know some different aspects and coaching staffs. Awesome stuff, guys. Patrick Cash, Ronnie Woodward joining us. So uh, wrapping it up. If people want to go check this out, they can do so. Uh, at any time, uh, as long as it's not uh, 11 p.m. or later. You need a one card to get into the library at that time, but they can check it out uh, floor two of the Joiner Library. Correct. Yep. And again, we're we're in summer hours right now, so the weekend is closed. We're mainly closed on Saturday and Sunday, I think the next two. But once classes start, that August 20th is when we shift to full semester hours. And again, if you have a question or you want to come by, check the, the library website the hours are posted right there front and center you can look at it um or shoot me or patrick an email and, and we'll help you out and and kind of connect that way but, patrick great job man this is really cool as a sports nut like myself this is awesome and who knows could be the the start of uh, it could be something else down the line but something yeah. like this so hopefully we can add another trophy to that next exhibit that we're going to yes sir so, that'd be nice another ring yeah uh, I, no I, I do want to add so it is the second floor uh for the football exhibit and then on the third floor north carolina collection is the history of dowdy ficklin stadium okay which was curated by my colleague daniel firkin who's our assistant university archivist and there's some really it's not as big but there's some really neat things in there especially if if you're interested in you know how we got the stadium um and how the stadium's looked over the years check that out too rondo good to see you y'all too i mean yeah this is i probably like, we should do it's like riding a bike man do we Let's used to it. have uh can we bring back a segment we used to do with you or something and do some over unders that was fun over under uh five and a half rushing touchdowns for rajay this year oh gosh five and a half i'll go over i think he had like four or five before he got hurt last yeah. year he yeah. was leading the team so i like rajay he's right. cool over uh, over just on there's no way I was going to say under. <laughs> I know. You got to go. I'm employed over. by the university. <laughs> I wasn't going to say under. So. All right. Over, under eight and a half wins this year. Over. <laughs> over. Let's go. It. Let's go. All right. Good stuff, Patrick and Ronnie. Thanks for joining us, guys. Enjoyed right. it. Thanks. Guys. We'll take a break. We'll talk to. Uh, there's going to be some Brian. You need to make a Brian Bailey exhibit. He's been around so long. His own panel. <laughs> we'll talk to Double B, Brian Bailey, when we return Pirate Radio Live on a Monday. Back with you after this. listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Caliber, Eastern North Carolina's premier outdoor shooting sports store for over 60 years. Visit carolinacalibercompany.com to shop today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Do you have real estate questions about buying or selling residential or commercial properties? Are you curious about the current real estate market, or do you need a property manager for rental houses? ECU alum Scott Harris with REMAX and SD Harris Properties can help answer every question you have and show you a stress-free real estate experience that will be memorable and enjoyable. If you have real estate questions, Scott has answers. Call Scott Harris today at 347-1857. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. Alrighty, back with you here at Pirate Radio Live. Great to have Ryan Robinson here with us today, as well as Patrick Cash and Ronnie Woodward. Got the history of ECU football exhibit right now, floor two of Joiner Library. And uh, folks can check that out. Really cool stuff. 
from uh straight cash homie patrick cash and ronnie woodward got uh shirley Rhodes here intern joey chan man a lot goes on over the weekend so if y'all have any uh did you sees to drop on me please feel free to drop them joey uh you got anything i have one regarding panther football oh yeah justin houston justin houston is a panther that. y'all are getting all the old deep the uh linebackers yeah on the team yeah. i i got one joey go what do you got uh for me is uh just the softball world series it's getting pretty heated uh it was not a good first showing for southeast but they'll bounce back today i think they're playing oh they're not playing today they're playing tuesday yeah mm-hmm. against the asia pacific region all right shirley what do you got um uh, did you see john chapman who is uh he follows the san francisco 49ers says that uh, 49ers uh, wide receiver isaiah winstead winstead excuse me went five and oh in one v ones today yeah. and said that he has insane uh separation on his routes we duh we tried to tell y'all we've been on this dude and keaton mitchell as a matter of fact (laughs) if you want to talk about that uh this was tweeted earlier um it says practice just got wrapped today this was about an hour ago for day 11 of ravens camp uh and uh lamar jackson threw some touchdowns keaton mitchell had one down the sideline he beat his defender uh and uh, got a uh touchdown in I don't, it doesn't say who threw it it because it mentions uh lamar jackson but uh, also another quarterback so i don't know which one was throwing to uh to keaton but he did catch a ball for a touchdown in preseason camp let's welcome on brian bailey and tell you that hold nailers will be on national tv coming up thursday night when the seahawks played the vikings and uh bb should get a chance to see holt on nfl network coming up thursday night i sent him a text message this day wish him luck for the rest of the week and uh, text back and forth for a little bit but uh, yeah looking forward to that man it's so fun to have these pirates uh hopefully getting some pt here this preseason something to follow as we follow fall camp as we follow what's going on in high school football and bailey uh, hit a couple of different topics on the Brian Bailey show today. Had Mike Houston right off the practice field, and we'll dive into some high school talk as well. But what'd you get uh, from Coach Houston? What'd you get out of that conversation today, Bailey? Well, I think it's the continuing theme that he's had. I mean, I think he really likes this team. I think there are a lot of players that we don't know a lot about that he knows a lot more about than we do, and I think we're going to see that when the season starts. But uh, I was encouraged by that again. I was encouraged by – uh, what he said about Mason Garcia and, and, and the quarterback situation. Uh, the running back room is very deep and talented. So, uh, you, you know, and the thing about the NFL, the guys, I mean, you know, we went through a drought there. We didn't have anybody yeah. to watch in the preseason. So now we got guys that are, you know, going to have a chance to make teams. Uh, on the Mike Houston note, he's gaining confidence in his quarterbacks and Mason Garcia. I think Mason's gaining some quarter some confidence in himself just hearing him talk Saturday. Uh, I know Garrett Short, WNCT, was out there on Saturday, Bailey, and just we hadn't seen Mason a lot in front of a camera behind a microphone, so it was good to see him up there and. Uh, kind of would take a deep breath after answering every question i, I think he'll he'll get he'll, he'll calm down a little bit uh with all the mics and cameras and everything in front of him but it seems like he's developed a confidence in himself that uh we haven't really had a chance to see over the years and that's really good to see because he's going to need that confidence when he you know hits the ground running 
uh, starting at Michigan. But yeah, that's uh, and and you know he's such a good kid anyway. But this whole quarterback situation, you know, when you're behind a guy like Holt Nailers, and then you're learning and learning, but until you're under fire, and it sounds like that he's come a long way since the spring because you know obviously he didn't have the greatest of spring games. But in talking to some of the coaches and hearing from Coach Houston, it sounds like that he's come a long way. Brian Bailey joining us, Pirate Radio Live Line. If you missed this chat with Mike Houston, you can check that out. Also, talk to some area high school coaches, Bailey, as uh, high school football about to get underway. Some polls coming out today, and uh, a poll was released from Parker's Barbecue, the Big Carolina 3A, 4A, and uh, you were a little surprised when you saw the team at the top of that poll. How did that shake out today? Well, and it's a coach's poll, so the coaches can only blame themselves for that sucker, but uh, Havlock was picked number one, J.H. Rose was two, Jacksonville was three, and then D.H. Conley and Newburn tied in the fourth slot. I think Newburn will be a little better than that. I really think, you know, even with the coaching change, I mean, they lost a little bit, uh, lost a lot of it, I guess you could say, but I think they've got a really good team coming back, and I'll be surprised if, if they're not battling for the conference championship. I think Rose is very good. I think Havlock is very good. And we'll see what Nate Connor's got up his sleeve. He's always got his Vikings. You know, sometimes they're not picked in the top four or five, but he's always got them up there battling. So we'll see what happens there. I know uh, South Central was picked last. Chris Cherry's taking over a really tough situation there, but he's got a great attitude about it. And, you know, if anybody can turn it around, Chris Cherry is a leader amongst men. I mean, he knows how to lead men. It's been on a basketball court for all these years, but now he's on the gridiron. And we'll see how he fares. Uh, when the season starts but should be fun brian i told you earlier bailey if, if somebody could make a 30 for 30 out of just area high school football and all the the coaching carousel with tory now out at new Bern and havelock with the interim coach you got the basketball coach taking over the football team at south central uh paul cornwell back on the sidelines like there's storylines everywhere out there for you it really is. And, you know, Newburn has, and that controversy may not go away, you know, so easily, but they've had, you know, people getting suspended and, you know, Toy now, you know, left for the hillside job. And it, it's been a mess. And then the whole Havelock situation, but try, trying to switch coaches and then the Board of Education didn't like it and didn't allow it. And I, I think Havelock's really fortunate they've got who they've got in there because, you know, the Wooten brothers are, are longtime coaches they've coached against one another they've got on the same staff a while back and i think that's going to really work and caleb king's one of the best offensive minds you know around so uh, i'm looking forward to seeing havelock play but i'm telling you that league and we say it every year is is really a great football league but you you think about some of the games you know rose havelock havelock newburn you know newburn jacksonville i mean they're just great games week in and week out Brian Bailey joining us, Pirate Radio Live Line. Uh, Joey and Chandler had a chance to check out the uh, Softball World Series last night, and unfortunately the Winterville All-Stars falling. They'll be back in action on Tuesday. How was the uh, great atmosphere last night, Chandler? Oh, yeah, the, the crowd was awesome last night at Stalin Stadium on Elm Street, and uh, I'm expecting it to be like that just about all week. But, yeah, the great atmosphere last night watching the uh, girls from Winterville representing the Southeast. Unfortunately, they lost, I believe, 6-1 to one last night. Uh, against the team from Texas Southwest. And uh, Bailey, I've talked, so many people have said, and, and a couple people said it yesterday. Uh, that whoever's responsible for bringing this to Greenville, uh, give them a raise, build them a statue or something because it's so great for the city. And you see that packed uh, Elm Street Park Stalling Stadium, just a fantastic event and uh, going to be going on for a while now. 
Yeah, and it puts Greenville on the map as far as that goes. And, and Brian Weingarts and those guys do a great job of, you know, skinning that infield and getting the dirt infield in place. And, uh, you know, Stalling Stadium is just state-of-the-art. It's a great, great place. And, you know, blocking off Elm Street. And I haven't gotten over there to see some of the stuff yet, heading over there later this week. But just, you know, the way they block it off and just all the booths they have set up, and they really make it for, for, the, for the athletes, you know, to come and be some, you know, be somewhere that's special that they'll always remember. I think they've done a great job with that. Uh, really, I, I, if they can battle through these temperatures, and of course, now you're going to get, uh, you know, there's a thunderstorm watch out right now. I don't know if they're going to get rained on. You know, they got four games again today. So once that thing gets backed up, then it gets kind of complicated, but hopefully they can stay ahead of things. Brian, uh, as we sit here in 2026, uh, what conference is ECU in in athletics? 2026, man. <laughs> you know, I just don't get, you know, I, maybe I'm just dumb, but I just don't get the Atlantic Coast Conference talking to Stanford and these West Coast teams. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, somebody, somebody, somebody somewhere's got to come up and say, okay, look, fellas, look, look, we're going to go back to basic conferences, or, or we're going to just form two football conferences and, and let everybody just bat it, beat each other's brains out. It just doesn't make any. I know the TV money is what it's all about, but it just it just doesn't make any sense. Especially you're going to send a softball team to play Stanford from from North Carolina and NC State. I mean, it, it, come on, it just doesn't. You know, it doesn't add up. I mean, I mean, all the football money in the world, you still got to send all these other teams to all across America to play in these. these that make it just doesn't make any sense. No, nope, it doesn't, and uh, but it's uh, it's the way of the world in college athletics now. I wonder if we see teams go to like a football only conference type thing and then do it more regional for other sports because it is all about football at this point. And uh, my fear in all this is that uh, they mess with my my March Madness, my NCAA tournament in basketball. I just hope that they are, are smart enough. Coach Max says. He thinks the uh, the dummies are smart enough not to, to mess with that, but we'll see. I don't know. I mean, I, I, everything's off the table with, with everything that you hear, and it's just it, 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 nothing. Nothing makes any sense. The Big Ten has forty eight teams, and you know, change the conference name because it's not ten, it's not Big Twelve. It, it's just you know, I, I I long for the days of you know yesteryear when, when you know like, like a regional conference like the ACC was, like the the Colonial was. And there was some talk at one time of building a, a football-only conference that East Carolina would get in and then play the rest of the sports in a, you know, a, another league. But think about a baseball league of just Carolina teams. I mean, how good would that league be? But, yeah, uh, and, and I don't know. Maybe we go outside the box with stuff like that, and you make individual sports conferences, and you you have the the Carolinas conference in baseball, and the I don't know. Maybe we reconvene with. Uh, the VCU's and the Richmonds of the world in basketball and something like that. I don't know, mate. You gotta, you gotta do something outside the box here because you're right. Being in a conference with a team from North Carolina and California makes zero sense, and it doesn't make zero financial sense. I guess if you do that, the money is good enough. You're getting from football to fund a volleyball team going out there, but I don't know how it all works, man. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't make. You know, you hear this team's leaving for this league and that team's leaving for that league. And, you know, the Pac-12, you know, the, the West Coast viewers, and then, then you think about TV stuff. So you got a, a West Coast team 
that's going to be playing at odd times because they're going to have to come all the way to the east. Then you got East Coast teams that got to go all the way to the west, and you're playing at 11 o'clock at night. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Well, look, Brian Bailey has experience putting conferences together. He named uh, the Big Carolina 3A, 4A. So sure may- they did, and they still have that name, don't they? Yeah, maybe we should put you in charge of this and see what you come up with. Oh, man. Yeah, it's, just, it's just mind-boggling what they're doing. You going to say anything about your Cubs? No, I won't say you, you don't. You don't get off me like Wallington. Wallington gets all crazy about his Braves, and then then he calls them paper tigers. <laughs> we'll talk to Ken tomorrow if he's still. I don't know what kind of mood he's going to be in. He is the biggest uh, roller coaster of emotions guy I know when it comes to sports. But uh, I think the Braves will be all right. But man, uh, the Cubbies are hot, and the Reds have lost. I think six in a row. Let me take a look at the standings. I guess the Brewers still on top. Bailey in that NL NL Central Cubs are a game and a half back of the Central, uh, so they are hot and uh, playing some good baseball. They have been playing some really good baseball, and uh, you know it's just they have a young team and they don't have a lot of stars, but they've been playing pretty solid. And the Braves are just—I enjoyed watching the series this weekend because the Braves are really good. So the first game, the Braves beat the Cubs eight nothing. The second game, the Cubs won it. But it was, you know, just watching the Braves play. They, you know, they have so many good players. And then, you know, Sunday's game was was tight, and the Cubs, you know, got a couple of runs, and got ahead. But still, you know, the Braves are going to be there at the end. I don't know if the Cubs will or not, but the Braves are going to be somewhere in the postseason. All right, BB, thanks for joining us today. Look forward to seeing you back in the Pirate Radio studios coming up next Monday for the Brian Bailey Show. Looking forward to it, man. I've been blessed for a long time working at Pirate Radio with the Brian Bailey Show. So. Uh, next week we'll probably talk a little bit more high school football because that'll be the Monday before the Friday night game starts. So we'll dive into that. We'll have the coordinators on hopefully sometime uh, August before we get started with Michigan. But uh, I want to thank Coach Houston for coming on because their time right now is really tight. So we appreciate him coming on today. And, Bailey, I promised you one week of 100% focus producing your show, and I feel like Chandler and I did a phenomenal job today. Uh, I, I thought you guys you guys were off the chart. I mean, you guys – I didn't even I didn't have one commercial break where I came back and the, all the chairs were empty. No, and, and you know what? Today felt so good. I'm going to go ahead and throw a guarantee for next Monday that you'll get 100 percent of my focus. Chandler, are you on board? 100 percent, absolutely. We're, we're all in. in this year, Bailey. That's the worst feeling in the world when you hear your music back and it's like you look around, all the chairs are spinning. <laughs> <laughs> we will never leave you behind again, BB. I appreciate that. All right, man. We'll see you. There is the legendary Brian Bailey joining us here on Pirate Radio Live. We'll take a timeout, come back, wrap up hour number two, big hour three on tap. Jason Nichols will join us. We got a ton of ECU audio to get to. Mike Houston, Mason Garcia, Julius Wood, my guy, Rajay Harris, Parker Moore, Alex Flynn, Elijah Morris. It's all ahead. Pirate Radio Live on a Monday. Back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Caliber, Eastern North Carolina's premier outdoor shooting sports store for over 60 years. Visit carolinacalibercompany.com to shop today. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. Be sure to check out David Price Construction for all of your commercial or custom residential renovation and building needs. Run by ECU alumni, David Price Construction specializes in commercial projects, maintenance on facilities, and large-scale residential renovations and additions. David Price Construction, the proud ECU home services partner. Call them today at 919-291-5532 or visit them online at davidpriceconstruction.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday. Jason Nichols set to join us coming up hour three as we talk Pirate football. Joey, I saw your DM you sent me when I was talking to Bailey a moment ago. Mm-hmm. He says, this is what we need for a conference. East, East Carolina, Coastal Carolina, Duke, NC State, UNC. West, South Carolina, Clemson, App State, Wake Forest, Charlotte. I, I mean, sure, but... That would be fun. That'd I be mean, fun to watch duh. every week. But I want a million dollars. It'll never happen. <laughs> These uh, schools making all this money aren't going to share it because everybody is selfish and looking out for themselves and if there was like a million dollars behind your head right now i would step on your head to get that to help my family <laughs> I now would that i'm a little different in which i would share some of it with you and with everyone but the links i'd go to get that money i would scrape i'd scrape chandler's face on the way out <laughs> kind of dive on you give shirley a heisman like, I would do what I had to do. And that's how everybody's thinking. And it's sad. Good comparison. But that's the way it is. Good analogy. Was it? <laughs> Very Troy D-like. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, uh, analogy, man? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Joey Camano. Camano. Yeah. Camano? Yeah. How do you say it? Algarin. Camano. My full name? Camano. Yeah, what's your full name? <laughs> what's your full name? <laughs> that was like Italian a little bit. What is your full name? All right. Joel Oscar Camaño Algarín. Algarín. Wait, what are all those other names in there? So, Joel is my first name. Joel is your actual name. Joey's a nickname. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, Oscar is my middle name. That is a bad A nickname. But or it's middle like, name, in sorry. Spanish is Oscar. Oscar. Uh, Camaño is my first last name. That's a cool name. Uh, if you, you know, the little, however you pronounce it, simply is Camaño. It's just like saying. Come on, yo. Yeah, literally. Like Come that. on, yo. And then uh, Algarin. Algarin. That's my favorite part. Algarin. I got pretty close to pronouncing it right when you showed it to me, right? Uh, yeah. Algarin. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, my name's Chandler Brooks, honey cut. <laughs> and he you? can't spell his middle name, by the way. Where are you from, boy? From Salemburg, North Carolina. He got recognized at the uh, softball game. Former long sniper? No, no, no. The lady to our right, she kept... Cheer. I'm a former long snapper. <laughs> What'd she say? She kept asking us to like celebrate stuff, and she looked over at, and had like an epiphany, looked at him and said, Is what? that Chandler Honeycutt? <laughs> that's From not... Pirate Radio? That's not what happened. And, uh, I don't know why. Well, I like his story better than that. the truth. No, it's, it is the truth. Just... All right, uh, Joey, Shirley, let's take a break. I've got my lock of the day. My lock of the day. USA minus 19 and a half against Puerto Rico coming up tonight. 10 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. Wow. USA is going to beat the brakes off of Puerto Rico. Is this a shot to old Joey? No, this is just my pick of the day. Oh, okay. I don't Where is he from? Is he from Puerto Rico? I don't know. Somewhere. I think he might be Based from, on I, you guys from logic, I'm probably Italian, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, FS1 tonight. I don't even know what this is, but I saw they were playing, and I'm like, all right, my pick of the day. Basketball, right? Yeah, USA minus 19 and a half. Uh, No, we're definitely covering that spread. Go, (laughs) Go Puerto Rico. All right, let's take a break. When we return, we'll talk Pirate football. We got Jason Nichols, former Pirate wide receiver, joining us when we return. Pirate Radio Live, back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the show. And get my uh, sheet to go. There we go. Carolina Caliber has the area's largest selection for outdoor shooting sports and accessories and is one of the top firearm dealers anywhere. They have any, or excuse me, everything you need for hunting, home defense, and personal protection, including a wide variety for ladies, youth, ladies and youth. Carolina Caliber will buy, sell, and trade. Carolina Caliber, locally owned and operated since 1960 on Fire Tower Road in Winterville and at CarolinaCaliberCompany.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live here on a Monday at Shirley Rhodes and Turn Joey. Chandler's around here somewhere. The big dog, Glenn Griffin's here. And to my left, former EC wide receiver, Jason Nichols, joining us inside the Pirate Radio studios. Jason, great to have you here. How you doing, man? Man, doing good. Glad to be back. We got, uh, we got some practice audio to get to, but coming up Tuesday... Uh, Coach Nichols, it'll be uh, full pads for the first time. So uh, I know the players are uh, excited about that. How about coaches? Do you, Mike Houston said he had to rein a few guys back, and, and you know you don't want guys hitting too hard. they got to learn how to thud, tackle, and all that stuff. How about first uh, full pads practice and, and some full contact going on out there? Yeah, yeah. As a coach, you know, this is this is when football is starting to be played now. And so you get to separate the men from the boys, as everybody would say. And the guys that you're still trying to figure out, you know, what can they bring to the table? This is this is going to be those moments where you're going to start really peeking in to see who they are and can they help you uh, moving forward as you uh, move into the season or whatnot. So tomorrow will be a big practice for them. And then, as you say, uh, Saturday they have a scrimmage. Yep. That will be a defining moment right there to really start seeing how guys are going to act. You're going to probably pull the coaches away off the field uh, so you can realize what those guys know and what they don't know and um, and really get a chance to truly evaluate those guys in game situations. Mike Houston actually said Saturday that he hopes by next Saturday, being this coming one, the scrimmage, that he can put the ball down, tell the referees to blow the whistle and sure, you're going to have your, your coordinators and some coaches out there, but he wants the guys to, to run the team. He wants Mason Garcia to to control the huddle, control the offense. Uh, your, your defensive guys knowing the calls, telling guys where to go. He, he wants that. He said this is the earliest they've really installed everything, especially on the special team side, but he hopes by this coming Saturday the, the players are ready to go. We shall wow. see. Wow, that means that 
camp is going good. <laughs> right. You know, um, they haven't had any setbacks as far as install because sometimes you go in with a plan of this is what we're going to install, and sometimes it doesn't go as planned because hey, wait, we didn't we didn't catch on to this good enough. We didn't execute this good enough out at practice, so maybe we need to hit it again. So if they're moving at that pace, that means they're doing a good job of retaining the information that they're getting and taking it to the field and, and executing it. Coach, uh, the old cliche is that defense is a little ahead of the offense when you come in for spring ball, when you come in for fall camp. Uh, do you Would you say that as a former running backs coach, an offensive coach, that, yeah, the defense is a little ahead to start with? Yeah, they, they are. Um, from from my experience, even as a player, as a coach, and uh, they because once they put stuff in, all they got to do now is react. You know, now it'll it'll probably get a little bit, um, I guess, interesting as as you continue to build on the defensive side for the younger guys who may not understand the terminology and all that type stuff right now. But at the end of the day, you know, defense, if you're basing your sound, it's see ball, go get ball, you know. I asked Coach Houston, we'll do cup four, Shirley, how how the battles were going offense, defense. Is one side dominating? Is it back and forth? Uh, here's what his response. It's a good competition. You know, the, the third down competition was three to two. You know, we take, you know, we had three, we had five third down situations, and they get one shot at each of them. Uh, so the offense won today three to two, but it was highly competitive. And, you know, it's we're still that we're not tackling to the ground. So, you know, there's still a little bit of gray on some of it, but uh, it was it was pretty close. I mean, it, it, so the competition is really good, which is what we need. Three, two offense uh, wins, but no tackling to the ground. So we don't know what all uh, transpired there. But I, I thought that was pretty positive to hear the offense winning three out of five. That means the defense complained that they had a couple <laughs> sacks in there that, yeah. or something like that, hits behind the line of scrimmage, but he let it go because. We got time to find out whether or not he's going to make that play as we move on. And as an offensive guy, you'll take that win, right? We'll Just take like, that well, win when you can get it. Confidence. All right, uh, Mike Houston, Cut 5, uh, was asked how the newcomers are coming along and uh, had kind of a, a different answer depending on when the, the players reported to ECU. Here's what he had to say, Cut 5. Well, I think the ones that were here in the spring, uh, I see more, you know, they're, they're ready to play with us. You know, I think some of the new ones coming in, they're, they're still adjusting some, to some stuff. And, you know, I don't know how things are done, where they're from or whatever. Um, but, you know, you better be ready to compete when you step on the field between those lines with our kids because, you know, they're going to go at it. And uh, you can't be meek and you, and you can't be timid. I mean, if you are, you get eat alive out there. So, uh, but I think the kids who were with us in the spring have been very, very pleased with, you know, the, 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 the way they have started fall camp. You know, Rara, I think he's having a very strong start to camp. I think Tamir is much improved. Uh, and that's just two off, you know, uh, BJ, Taquan. I mean, those guys, because they, they, they've been around us. You know, and I think the, I think the other new ones, they'll, they'll be fine. Um, you know, it's not like they're not out there competing. It's just, you know, they don't quite have the chemistry that the other kids have. And I'm sure you can relate to that, uh, Jason. As you get a newcomer in that isn't quite uh, understanding of how you practice and how you do your thing, and it takes a little while, right? Yeah, it does. It does, and that's that's the thing nowadays that with, with the way you can get guys in here early, um, it's important if you can to get that mid-year guy to get in here to go through spring ball so uh, they are familiar with how you're going to handle things at practice, the tempo and, and the expectations when you're out there on the practice field, you know, that whole thud thing about being able to be a, a good athlete, bring your feet, 
practice hard, stay off the ground, all those good things. Um, you know, because some, some, sometimes guys think you just got to come here and tackle everybody. But if you do that, you wouldn't have a football team. So uh, there are going to be moments where he's going to let them go, you know, and there's going to be moments where they got to learn how to practice and take care of one another. Um, and uh, the newcomers sometimes struggle with that because they haven't – they don't know the expectation fully yet. And uh, so they'll continue to grow into that, like you said, and, and they'll have their opportunity as they continue to move throughout camp to grow and learn and and uh, be able to adapt to how they're going to do things here. Jamie asking, how much is the heat affecting them? But on that same note, how does that help, you know, condition them for September and October? And I, I guess there is a line. You don't want to cause serious health to a player, but also you want them to be tough. And so how do you, you kind of find that line as a coach? Well, you know, you have to get out in it because you got to get used to it. I mean, it's, you know, that's why you have the acclimation period and, and all that good stuff. So they're not just thrown out into the fire and go out there in full pads right away. But you're able to, you know, bring them through the process to get used to being out there and practicing and playing in the heat. Because we know when you get into September here, it's still pretty warm. And it's going to be pretty pretty warm in a lot of places uh, that we'll probably play other than Michigan early on. But um, it's, it's a necessary evil. You got to learn how to work in it. Then and you, man, and everybody from your era talks about Coach Connors and the work you did leading up to the season. And did you find yourself in September, October, even later in the year? I know you guys wanted to win the fourth quarter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did you find yourself kind of looking back, saying maybe all that was worth it that yeah. we did? Yeah, you know what? I, I used to try to practice or or do our conditioning, our working out in the heat of the day. And even as a coach, like like even now, I go out and I walk, right? And I go walk at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Most people mm. probably think I'm crazy <laughs> for doing it, walking through my neighborhood. But uh, it's just to get used to the heat. That's something that I've always, you know, been been used to. And, and even as a player, when I had my schedule, I wanted to go and train at that certain time just so you could get used to it. Jason Nichols joining us. Uh, you have said that running back is uh, one of the, if not the easiest position to kind of go in and play right away, right? I asked him about a freshman, Javius Bond. Let's go cut six, Shirley. Uh, how's uh, young Javius coming along? I mean, he, he belongs. He looks like he belongs out there. I know he's he's still a freshman. He's never played a college snap, but uh, he looks like he belongs. And I think Gerald Green looks like the experienced back he is. I mean, that room I feel very, very good about. And, you know, it's – you're going to have depth. You're going to be able to play several guys. Um, you know, the challenge for the coaches is going to be, you know, finding the snaps. You know, maybe it's going to play, you know, more than one in the game together. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, I feel very good about that room. And you got to have depth there. We saw what happened with Rajay going down last year, Jason, that uh, you need depth at running back. Sounds like this team certainly has it, and uh, he's excited about the guys. Mentioned Gerald Green, a newcomer that has experience, Javius Bond coming right off the high school field. So kind of a different level there. But Mike Houston has showed last year with Marlon Gunn, uh, a few years ago with Keaton Mitchell, Rajay Harris, he will play true freshman running backs if they earn their spot. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of the ones. Uh, that position is uh, easy to to look at and say, can they handle it? And what he's saying is, yes, physically they got all the tools that they need to be able to go out there and play and compete at a high level. Um, it's those situations such as protections and do they understand protections? Can they get the checks and understand when the quarterback's checking stuff? If they can handle that, they can play, you know, and um, part of it is physical, part of it is mental. And once you can get that that um, picture of those guys throughout camp, 
then um, you know you can let those guys go in there and go go play. Can you rank the positions on offense, at least the groups of how, like from easiest to most difficult to come in and play right away? I assume quarterback would be most difficult. Uh, how about receiver, O line? Like where do they fit in? O, o- line is is uh, if you're doing it the right way, and you're talking to, now. If we're talking a freshman kid, it's, mm-hmm. it's quite hard to come in here and play uh, O-line on, on the college level just because the physical nature of that position and then the technique becomes so much more on this level so it's a lot of grooming that's why most linemen don't play initially when they get here as freshmen um, if they do you probably got a really good lineman that's going to end up playing probably in the future on Sundays uh, so that's hard quarterback is hard not not from the fact of the throwing the football and all that good stuff because if you know how to throw it you can throw it it becomes so much more of a mental game here because in high school they don't see all the disguises and coverages and blitzes and fronts that they're going to see once they get here on the college level so that is a level of of uh um, understanding the game and going through it, it, it takes repetitions to get to that point. Um, receivers, they can come <clears> in and play. Um, they got to get used to seeing coverage from my standpoint of coaching receivers of, you know, middle field open, middle field close. And, and and that's how you can bring it in on an elementary level as you continue to get those guys to understand what is, what is cover two, cover three, cover four, cover six, zero, cover one. Uh, you know, all the different things that they're going to see, you can kind of bring those guys along. And it's as simple as middle field open, middle field close. This is what you can do. Well, I like you breaking it down for novices like myself. So how many, like in college, did you have option routes where you could could go in, go out? You know, to explain that. We did. Course. We did. A, a lot of times it's on vertical stem routes when you're, when you're in the slot and all that good stuff. You know, middle field open. All right, that means I could probably go take the middle of the field if I'm if I'm given that opportunity, depending on the route that I'm running to go take the middle of the field. Middle field closed, that means there's a safety back there, some type of one high man free, whatever it may be, means I gotta stay down my hash and keep separation from that safety because we're trying to put pressure on him if we weren't running some vertical seams there. So um yeah, you, you have option routes that you can work off of, and, and, uh, and the more that you understand about coverage, the, the, the better the opportunity for you to get out there and execute. So you, as a receiver, need to know, just like the quarterback, about what the defense is doing and, and recognize that pre-snap? Man, when you're really – you know, the, the, the thing that I've always uh, took to my advantage is I played quarterback in high school. Mm-hmm. So I thought about the overall picture, you know, not just I got this route. And even when – I install stuff with players. I don't just say we have this route. This is the concept because if I can understand the concept, it it, it will give me a better idea when I'm going to get the football. First of all, based off what the defense is doing, but two, it allows me to be able to be versatile and move around throughout the offense. So if somebody goes down and I'm a backup here, I can come and go and be a starter over here if I know the offense. Jason Nichols joining us inside the Pirate Radio studios. Let's flip sides and talk a little defense here. And Mike Houston talked about improving on that side of the ball, did some good things, wants to clean up some other things. Cut eight, Charlie. Well, I think that, you know, there are certain things that we did really, really well defensively last year, and there are certain areas where we need to improve. And, you know, so that's what we spent a bulk of our offseason is looking at uh, the areas that we need to improve. And, you know, part of it was personnel, and so I think we addressed that. Uh, the other part is um, – you know, some different things schematically. And so we've, we've addressed that. And so, uh, you know, as you start, today was a, you know, we've been kind of first and second down the first three days. So today we introduced third down. 
Uh, Monday, we'll introduce some red zone stuff. Uh, Tuesday, with full pads, we'll introduce some short yardage stuff. So you're starting to put in all the situations. You know, the goal is by next Saturday for us to have everything installed and repped and ready. Uh, special teams, offense, defense, where we can go out there and basically just tell the officials, all right, put the ball down and play and play a game. Uh, I think it's very important. This is the earliest we've got all the stuff in special teams-wise, but I want to get as much live work uh, with the special teams during preseason as I can. There's that uh, comment I was talking about earlier where uh, he hopes to be ready to go this Saturday. Um, is that when you get the most uh, hooting and hollering going on to practice when you do the short yardage stuff and you got big bodies on big bodies? Is that, is that when it gets most competitive? Well, you know what? I, I, I learned this way back in the day. I went and did an uh, internship with Pittsburgh Steelers, and they did uh, the one part of practice that was live was short yardage, goal line. Because you can go out there and be physical, and you can get that mentality of being physical and all that good stuff, but yet you can lessen the blow. Right. So you're not having a guy come and fill in a hole from 10, 15 yards back, but on short yardage, you can still go and bow your neck and be be violent on defense and and, uh, and, and learn how to shut the run down from a defensive perspective and from the offense, just being able to go out there and execute. Jason Nichols joining us. We still got a lot of comments to get to. We'll hear from Mason Garcia when we return and others as we continue to talk Pirate football. Got some questions coming in. If you got a question for Jason, you can get those in as well. And we got a giveaway coming your way. We roll on hour three of Pirate Radio Live. A lot more to go after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Orthopedics East and Sports Medicine has been caring for Pirate Nation and the student-athletes at East Carolina University for more than 35 years and are the official team physicians for ECU. Orthopedics East uh, provides a variety of general and specialized operative and non-operative orthopedic services to meet the needs of the patients in eastern North Carolina. For more information, call 757-2663 or visit orthoeast.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff. All righty. Thank you, Shirley Rhodes. Back with you. Pirate Radio Live. We take a look at our Buccaneer Music Hall scoreboard presented by Dubbuck. Dubbuck. Young Joey brings to my attention that Gavin, Big Gav, is on the mound tonight. And how about his numbers? He's one and three with like a three three eight ERA. It is very frustrating. He gets no run support uh, there in Cleveland, and he's going to need some tonight probably because they uh, played the Blue Jays. Yeah. yeah, the Blue Jays have been swinging some hot bats right here lately. They destroyed the Red Sox the other night. I think it was like thirteen to one was the final. So. <laughs> Uh, Orioles three games up in the AL East, and uh, we will talk to Mark Brown, CamdenChat.com, coming up on Wednesday. Jason, our uh, Braves lost two over the weekend to the Cubbies, uh, but the Braves still uh, 
cruising right now in that NL East. The Dodgers starting to to win some games. Braves uh, trying to keep that best record in the NL, and they're about six games up on the Dodgers right now. Uh, and Cubs just one and a half back. Reds are struggling, but the Brewers still have a lead there in the Central. Uh, Clip, when you talked to Mark Brown on, uh, what you say, Wednesday yeah. is when you're going to have him on, I'd love for you to get his thoughts on uh, the recent controversy concerning their uh one of their broadcasters i believe his name is kevin brown yep. um he was uh discussing uh the history between the orioles and the tampa bay rays yep. and you know historically the Hor- orioles have not been great well they've been awful against yeah, the race the race yeah. had dominated i mean we're talking about awful in general i mean they yeah. would come out to a hot start and then they'd fall off this year has been surprisingly uh you know great to to listen to the games on the radio because they've been winning ball games but anyway uh ownership slash management someone uh above him uh suspended him indefinitely for Something mentioning uh the uh the the loss record when it comes to the Tampa Bay Rays and I am dumbfounded and because it does not appear that he said anything out of the ordinary he was just stating facts so Jason and here's the the graphic they put up while he was talking before a game they uh lost their last 16 series there at Tropicana last series win 2017 this season they have three wins there in five games and uh they had three total wins in 21 games point of this is this is a new era of orioles baseball and and we're winning now somebody looked at it as wait this guy's our announcer and he's crapping on our club we got to get rid of this guy it is one of the weirdest softest oddest things i've seen and with all the social media outbursts going on right now I think he's going to get his job back or at least get a job somewhere else because this is uh, this is outrageous. It's like some Dan Snyder Washington type stuff here. <laughs> I mean, honestly, Ed, he was just stating facts. Those yeah. are hard numbers. You can look those numbers up. It's not like he was fudging the numbers in any way, shape, or form. So and I think his it, point being that, hey, this is this is a new era, like, yeah. a dawn of a new day here in yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, because traditionally we've been awful at Tropicana. Now we're not so much. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see any reason to suspend him for it nah, but there's a insane. lot going on in baseball i mean you had a fight between the guardians and the white socks down goes anderson <laughs> i gotta say bad look for tim anderson there oh did you get that audio i did can we get that real quick tom yeah. hamilton's call on the guardians radio network here it comes a swing and a smash to first by the diving vaughn down the right field line kicks into the corner ramirez on his way to second head first slide safe and in to score is jimenez and another hustle double right over the bag at first now hosey and anderson square off they're fighting they're swinging down goes anderson down goes anderson went in with a head first slide Hosey never gets upset about anything they came up chewing Anderson squared off Hosey decked him (laughs) (laughs) Hosey decked him and the thing was is that it was a legit slide he kind of went in between Anderson's legs Anderson I don't know if he said something to him but uh, Jimenez got up and he was Ramirez. in his, Ramirez, excuse yeah. me. Uh, Ramirez got up and was in his face almost instantaneously. Well, Anderson, I've never seen this before. In hockey, they drop the gloves 
he dropped the glove. He took it off. And, and, and he squared up. And he squared up. And he, he wanted some, and he got some. Oh, he, got he, got, he got a good little piece. Ooh, I found it funny, too. It uh, was embarrassing. That yeah. the agent of Ramirez, the next day, they posted a picture of Ramirez uh, wearing some boxing gloves. With boxing <laughs> gloves. Yeah, and he who got was a the, lengthy uh, suspension, too, by the way. Who was the Paul brother that fought the other night? Jake. Because Logan Jake was in uh, SummerSlam. And yeah, Jake man. Paul was in a boxing match, but there was a picture that uh, surfaced that night of Ramirez and Jake Paul together as well. <laughs> okay. So it's something about Cleveland and uh, <laughs> just uh, wild times there uh, on the baseball diamond. And the suspensions that we're giving out were kind of funny. Anderson got six games. Ramirez got three. Well, hey, look. Class A got. You win one. the fight, you get less suspension, <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, it's a tale of, you know, you listen to that. First of all, that's a great call for, oh, yeah. for a baseball game. Um, and let's compare that to, by the way, did you see Josh Moylan? Yeah, oh, big yeah. crank. Do you have that one. call? I'm, I'm getting ready to pull if it up here in a second. Carter, if you're on Barter Bunningham, you should have it on there. Yeah, no. I, I got it on my Twitter as well. It's right here. All I right. got it right here. Hold on one second. I just need to pull the volume. So, up. what league is this, Shirley? This is like um, uh, this the is, Yankees. This, Florida League, basically. Yes, this is the Tampa Tarpons. Yeah. That's who Josh is playing for. I don't know who this play-by-play guy is, but you can see that he really loves his job. So right. hang on one second. Here it goes. Oh, wait. Why is that not playing? <laughs> no, it's playing, but there's... There it is. Edges crushed into right center. Way back. Gone. And the Tarpons take a one nothing lead via Homer from Josh Moylan. Let it play. Let it play. First professional home run. And silence as he goes around the yeah. Moylan across the plate. <laughs> what is this guy loves his job, doesn't he? Is he is a not? golf announcer or something. I'm telling you. That, I Catch mean, made by Nichols. He's at the 40. <laughs> and touchdown. He uh, crosses the end zone. Touchdown. <laughs> what was that? He was afraid to wake some people up or something. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but I'm thinking to myself, he must have been the opposition because I believe that this was uh, in, oh, shoot, I think it's Harrington. I can't remember the name of the team, right? It said they were on the road. And I heard that so, guy's in the running to be ECU's next announcer. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, hold on one second. And there. Uh, you can uh, paint Dude. this one purple. Yeah, no. Paint it purple. Uh, Excitement time. Oh, my goodness. I heard that, too. That was hilarious. Hey, congratulations to Josh Moylan, though. Yeah, big crank with his first crank of the year. So. Right. Later, we'll have Gus Johnson give the call. <laughs> Who's your favorite announcer, Jason? You got you got one or two? I don't know if I have one. You don't really honest, pay attention to that stuff? No, nah, this is new to me. <laughs> this whole thing's new to you? <laughs> this is new. Uh, let's hear from Mason Garcia as we got a chance to talk to the quarterback on Saturday and uh, asked him how practice was going. Cut one. It's going good. You know, the one thing that sticks out to me is everybody's competing really well. You know, everybody's flying around. Like, I was just talking to Julius out there in the um, hallway. And it's like it feels like a game every play. So, that's a good thing for both sides of the ball, being able to uh, work that fast on every play and uh, executing plays like that. And, you know, defense is giving us a good look as well. So, going good. Uh, Mason has not had a ton of interview experience, and he was really good on Saturday, but you could tell he was, like, flying through his answers. And then when he, when he was done, he would go – he would take a deep breath, and uh, he'll get better at it, just like anybody. Um, but I think he, 
I, I was, it was great to see him up there we just hadn't had a chance to talk to him a lot and you could tell he's just more confident in himself what he's doing i think on and off the field and that's important for a, a quarterback right Jason? man the confidence is everything so glad to see that he's taking the reins and becoming the leader of that football team and continue uh, to practice well to put himself in good situations so uh, once the season gets here he's ready to go ahead and, and lead us um, down that road and you said put himself in good situations i asked him i said mike houston said you look really good friday and saturday why, why did he say that what did you do well cut to it's good because you know the defense is throwing a lot at us so it's like uh picking up things that was one thing i was lacking on a little bit you know in the past but uh being able to pick these things up and uh like i said the defense is doing a great job you know just being able to get on the same page with everybody the receivers running backs of course the line as well you know that's all going to come but these two days have been pretty good and everybody's competing their butt off so and Jason, we know he has the arm. We saw him when he started that game for Holton Aylers in 2020 against Navy. He's got the legs. I, I was really impressed with him running the football. Mm-hmm. But what does he have pre-snap? Well, what can he see out there? How can he direct traffic? Those are as important, if not more important, than what you can do physically, right? Man, that's that's the job of the quarterback, you know, is to direct traffic, to check plays, maybe to get you in the right play. And, um, I mean, it's it's everything. It's, it's those things we talked about earlier that only comes with experience and reps of, of seeing what the defense is doing because sometimes they're going to show you something and then they're going to back out of it and uh, not being fooled by those situations and just looking at what gives it away for the defense so uh, I can make a good decision. But, um, you know, that comes with, with experience. He's going to get better each week. Uh, he's going to get better every practice right now. And because um, you're right, he, tools, I mean, he has all the tools. I, I, I mean, he walks in the building. That's what it's supposed to look like. <laughs> um, you see him throw the ball, and that's what it's supposed to look like. So um, he has all of that. And just the thought of him making his second start ever, first road start in the big house, and the noise and everything he's going to have to do. I'm assuming uh, you know, have some silent signals, counts, things like that mm-hmm. uh, for him because that uh, that is very daunting. A very that's a daunting challenge for a veteran quarterback, much less a guy making his first road start. No doubt, I don't, it won't get any tougher than that. I True. Know that. I yeah, go ahead and get so, it out of the way. Yeah. Let's go ahead and get it out the way, and um, you know, and 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 you got to make sure that when you look at that game, that as as a coach, you just want to make sure you put him in good situations and make sure that he's doing the things that you want him to do to go execute, and um, they'll be ready. Mason was asked what wide receivers he has the best chemistry with right now. Cut three. I mean, you know, there's there's a guy that returned last year, like, you know, Josiah, uh, Jalen, Shane Calhoun, you know, Kerry King, you know, all those guys are, you know, they're, they're what we want want them to be. You know, they're coming out there, you know, they're not they're not taking a rep off, you know, they're doing what they have to do to come out there and compete. And um, that's what we need in this league to, to win. So I think those guys are sticking out a lot. And of course, our backs are doing a really good job as well. And of course, O-line too. I mean, the whole offense is coming together. So just keep competing. That's all it is. Solid move there by the quarterback. Always mention your O line, right? You got to look out for those guys. He's been he's been coached up on that. <laughs> I like that. He's getting it. Uh, Cub four. Uh, what's your mindset heading into each practice, knowing you, you got a battle going on for your your position? Just attack every day. You know, like uh, I like Coach Houston says, it don't matter what you're in. It don't matter if you're a one or a two or a three. You know, there's there's no title on that right now. You know, you just go out there and compete your butt off. Um, do what you got to do for the team. You know, uh, we, everybody wants this team to be good. So as long as you go out there and do your thing, you know, and give your team the all, that's all he's asking for. So, 
Yeah, if everybody's got that mindset, you're probably going to have some good practices out there, Coach, I'd imagine. Yeah, I mean, if, if you got all those guys buying into that and they're working that way, you're going to have a good football team. And so it is. You can't you can't take any anything for granted right now, um, no matter where you sit at on the depth chart, because those coaches are going to go in there and watch that film after every practice, and they're going to grade you up or grade you down based off of what you're doing on that practice film. We got more to go. We need to take a break. We need to make somebody a winner here on a Monday edition of pirate radio live and uh when we return more mason garcia got a little julius wood rajay parker moore alex flynn elijah morris but right now we will give it away (laughs) thank you anthony kiedis uh what are we giving away shirley how about a pair of tickets to a wood ducks game go see the woodies on us at historic granger stadium we will uh, be giving those away to caller number eight. Caller eight, 317-1250. More to go with Jason Nichols as we uh, talk more pirate practice when we return after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Quality Equipment is your full-service John Deere dealer with 28 locations to serve you. They are open in Winterville next to Sam's Club or you can go online and visit qualityequip.com to find the location near you. And congratulations to Robert Matthews of Ahoski. Picked up a pair of tickets to a Wood Ducks baseball game. Uh, get your single game tickets and check out all the fun promotions planned this season right now at woodducksbaseball.com. Go Woodies. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip. All right. Way to go, Roberto. Back with you, Pirate Radio Live. We've got Jason Nichols joining us here. Excited to have Jason Nichols, Marcus Crandall, uh, part of our team this season for ECU football coverage. Billy Weaver going to be here on our fifth quarter uh, for home games as well. We need to get Weave on, talk some football with him, talk about our commanders and more. Jason, do you have a, uh, a favorite NFL team? Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm a Falcons guy. Uh, I'm from Atlanta. So. Not looking great this year, but uh, <laughs> see what uh, I guess Ritter is going to get the ball, right? Well, Desmond Ritter. Yeah. He's, he, he has the call right now, so um, we get to see him and see if he can take us to, to the promised land. I, you know, Atlanta's just going through a real rebuild right now. They got so many things. I don't know. I mean, they, they know their football team better than we do, but they got a lot that they got to continue to build on. I'll tell you what they do have. They got exciting weapons yes. uh with drake london with kyle pitts the rookie who's the rookie B. running John. back yeah Bijan. Yep. so yep. they got that part uh can they figure out line quarterback and the rest and no panther doubt. fan we just gotta hope they never figure it out <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a lot of panthers falcons discussions going on during the season with jason nichols as well uh jason i, I like this mason was asked he went down to the manning passing academy uh this offseason and was asked what he took away from there uh cut five Shirley, here's what Mason Garcia had to say. You know, just being able to be a leader out there, you know, and taking your game to a next level, being able to, you know, obviously watch film like me and Coach Houston were walking out this morning. I was like, he's like, you know, look at those safeties, you know, but being able to learn the way you watch film uh, and the way you carry yourself and the way you carry yourself for this team and mainly just uh, having a bigger role on the team, you know, watching film and being prepared. 
I like that answer because it's like everything Mason's done to this point in his career, he's done it on his athleticism, his arm, his legs. That was nothing about that stuff. That was about uh, the bigger picture and uh, learning those things from some greats, Jason, uh, can only help out Mason Garcia, the quarterback. I tell you, that's that's um, that's the hardest thing to get guys to, to learn how to do um, when they get here is to become more of a student of the game because they've been able to make it here strictly off their athletic ability. And in high school, you don't have the opportunity or the ability to watch the film the way that we do here. I'm, I'm not even sure if most high schools will – uh, film their practice. I know they'll do their games and whatnot. Some of them probably nowadays. I know the, the bigger schools do. Mm-hmm. But uh, to get a kid to really buy in to watching film, that that's the first part of investing into being a better player. And I'll be honest with you, if I had to do it back over in my career, that's something I could have definitely done better. You know, and um, it's just hard to do sometimes. You got so many things pulling in so many directions on a college campus, but uh, the fact that he's went down there and saw how the professionals do it right. will help him as a as a player. And nowadays, there's almost no excuse with all the technology and resources that even you didn't have, right? Yeah. I mean, you could. Yeah. Uh, they're probably watching a lot of stuff on their own on their computers or whatever. But but getting in the room around the other quarterbacks, and I asked him about that with Flynn and with Coach Kirkpatrick, just a lot more more options opportunities to do that maybe than than you had yeah you know those guys you you have the different uh, applications or apps they can put on their phones that you run your video system off of and they can go watch it on their ipads or or whatnot in their dorm room back in the day all you could do is come over to the football building right so uh mason was asked what o-linemen are helping him grow each day cut six yeah i mean it starts with the center uh uh, hampton urgle doing a really good job um you got uh, Isaiah Foote, that's a, a veteran. Uh, outside of him, you got Walt Stribling. You got Richard Pierce and um, uh, Richard Pierce and uh, Parker Moore. They're doing a great job. You know, they're they're all they all either played a snap or two, or you know, understand the system really well. So them being out there helping me out a lot. Maybe I go one way, they're directing me the other way. Let's do it. You know, you, they, they can see it as well as I can. So you know, just uh, believing in them, you know, and then believing in me, it's gonna it's gonna help everything out. So. Mason Garcia there, um, that uh, that relationship with the center is an important one. Man, that's the most important one. Those two guys got to be on the the same page as how they're calling and checking protections and how they're miking in the run game and and all that good stuff. And like he said there at the end about, you know, taking the protection a different way because they see where the blitz is coming from. Um, That is is huge. And finally, uh, he was asked how Rajay Harris is looking out there. If you're ever having a down day of practice, Rajay will pick you up. Sounds like he's picking up everybody out there. Uh, Cut seven, Charles. You know, Rajay, man, he's our first day of practice. I just, he just, man, he gave everybody the chills coming out there, man. He's just a competitive guy. You know, he's very, he's a very talented player. Um, he's going to compete his butt off every day. And, you know, he's a good leader for the younger players, you know, because you have to practice a certain way every day. Um, but like Josh is coming back as well. Their, their, re, their rehab over the summer was very good. Um, though they're two hard workers on our team. So, I mean, for them to be back is very helpful for this football team. So. And Shirley, it cut to just the beginning of it from Mike Houston again when he was asked his biggest takeaways from camp so far. Roger Harris is just fine. <laughs> so he's back. He's uh, playing. He's got that big smile on his face. And one of those guys, uh, Jason, that, that can 
kind of rally the team i think like i said when things maybe aren't going good they look at a guy that went down got hurt uh, he cares the most about this team and playing football and it got taken away from him and what he's done to to get that back that, that's motivating for everybody man that is that's awesome because he's such a great kid you know my time here on coach houston staff for a little bit you know roger harris is one of those guys that you cheer for as a coach you're saying if my son can grow up to be like this young man then I, I my son is gonna be okay you know, and uh, so I'm glad to see that it's going well for him. We got to know him last year, and uh, just a just a great guy to be around, and uh, one of the most positive mindsets uh, just for his age too. Just kind of wise and mature uh, beyond his years. All right, one of my favorite answers from Saturday was ECU safety Julius Wood, and I asked him how frustrating it was that he can't just go out and pop a guy uh, and and, and kind of keep it under control. Uh, cut one. Here was his answer. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's very frustrating, like, playing football, knowing that you can't hit just yet. So you, uh, it's just learning how to practice uh, in college in, uh, environment. You just got to um, protect each other because we all a team. So uh, you got to know when the days when we're uh, just studying and the days where we're hitting live. And it do frustrate you sometimes because uh, as a football player, you want to hit, you want to take them down, especially as you, if you're a defensive player. So, yeah, it frustrates you. <laughs> I thought a uh, pretty mature answer there, though. You got to know how to practice. You got to know what you're doing. And most importantly, protect your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like that he did admit, yeah, it's fr- like I want to hit a guy. I want to, but he's got to wait a little while longer. Uh, Julius is a veteran. Uh, Mike Houston said he's got to kind of teach the the younger guys how to do it, the, the thud and all that. You you understand all that, right, Jason? Uh, man, you as a coach, you'd rather say woe than sick him. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, I like that. You, you rather you rather pull them back than to have to try to push them out there. So you can always bring them back. It's hard to push them out there and make them want to be that aggressive. So uh, that's a good character trait. Um, but he, you know, he has to understand too. That's to protect him too, because you know you got a long season ahead of you, and you know you're gonna have your opportunity to go out there and tackle a lot of people. Let's uh, get our final break in. We'll come back, wrap it up with Jason Nichols here on a Monday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. Listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is brought to you by Bud Light. Reminding Pirate fans to stay in the game and drink responsibly. Bud Light, the official beer of the ECU Pirates and proudly distributed by Carolina Eagle Distributing since 1989. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It was a good day for the stock market. The Dow was up 407 points and closed at 35,473. The NASDAQ was up 85 at 13,994. And the S&P was up 40 at 4,518. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Report. For a personal look into investing, call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors, LLC. Member SIPC. Now back to Clip. Alright, a full hour of talking pirate football with a former pirate player and coach. I don't think you can beat that. I hope you uh, folks out there enjoyed it as much as I did. Jason, awesome to have you on board, man. And we got some fun Mondays coming up uh, all August. We'll be 
talking pirate football, and then uh, then it'll be game time. I'm excited, man. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yes, sir. And I've got a soft uh, commitment from Jason to join us out at Tiebreakers one Sunday, <laughs> because as a coach, he hasn't been able to experience a fun NFL Sunday. So we got to get him out there in his Falcons gear, having a good time. Chandler's ready. I got to get that approved by the wife first. <laughs> yeah, run it up the. We run it up the chain of yeah, command. Yeah, the chain of command. There you go. All right, let's uh, say goodbye, and we'll come back on uh, Tuesday. Don't forget my pick of the day: USA over Puerto Rico. Joey's pick of the day is Puerto Rico over USA. <laughs> They're playing basketball tonight, folks, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll talk about it tomorrow. We'll talk to you at three o'clock on Tuesday on Pirate Radio Live. Jeff Charles, take us home. Have a great night, Eastern Carolina. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.